Hey, welcome to the 192nd episode of the Random Podcast from Heck. My name is Tony, and this is the podcast about random things in the world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, and comic books. Big shout out to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. And if you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes-ish of podcast entertainment every single week. We are in the midst of, we're getting close to wrapping up the Vision and the Scarlet Witch miniseries from 1985, 1986. So a lot of a lot of weird and wacky uh, stuff happening in there. But then sometimes I talk about movies, which I think I'm going to – might talk about like a couple in between and then another comic book series and so forth. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash heck and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or two. That is ko-fi.com slash G-Man from heck. So it's interesting because it's like this is a 192nd episode. So it's like we're getting close to 200. But it's like really it's like that's that's eight weeks. That's two months away. So it's not that close. It feels like it's close. And I keep as like, oh, I should do something for the 200. I'm not I don't can't imagine what I could do special for the 200th episode. We'll, we'll see. Anyways, uh, as far as a new oh, wait, wait, no, I'm jumping ahead of myself. What is going on this week? In case you haven't uh, read the, des- the description summary, whatever, uh, the movie feature this week, I, sh- I know I, I said it was going to be something else last week and I won't bring it up because if that is going to, that might be in a couple weeks. There's things are, are, are happening, shuffling around. Sorry, Michael B. Jordan, you're getting bumped. Uh, the movie feature is going to be a movie I never heard about. I don't, I, I'm, I'm still not even sure how I came across it. Willie's Wonderland. Nicholas Cage, and it is, it's it's so bad. It, you got to see it. It's it's so bad it's good type of thing, and it's basically like Five Nights at Freddy's. So yeah, you can hear about that, and then you know the other regular things. Um, it was interesting. <laughs> there was there was no uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, so I I could go to bed at like midnight. Actually, it was it was past midnight Thursday night because I've been staying up and watching it. But you can hear about Shadow and Bone. <laughs> I, I tried. I was going to like, I'll do four episodes. Spoiler, I wasn't super crazy about it. So you can hear a little bit about that. But you can hear about Cruel Summer. I'm digging that show. Uh, Mary Easttown, the second episode really cranked, heated thing up. Crank, things are cranking up, as I'm trying to say. The Nevers, uh, this unfortunate season finale of Invincible and and more. But as far as the news, and as far as speaking of Invincible, it's been renewed, surprise, surprise, for two more seasons. So seasons two and three have been have been greenlit or whatever. Why not just do a longer season two just and just call it season two and make it 16 episodes instead of eight? It's like these eight episodes. It's like, what, what are we, like the British BBC shows or whatever, where you get like five episode series and then you got to wait like 10 year five years for the next one is that how it works something like that so, but that's that's cool that we're gonna get more and you know it should keep going and hopefully you know they'll, they'll cover the whole thing and the whole whole comic series and who knows 
how many seasons that would be if you figure i'm not going to try to do the math but i'm excited about that so hopefully hopefully it's not going to be that long of a wait in between i don't know what the turnaround and like what the animation process is these days you know i'm sure it's more streamlined than it used to be in the past but also in the past we used to get these like 65 episode seasons so you look at like something like gi joe and 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 yeah you could there's some questionable moments with animation and you know sometimes they reuse parts but anyways i digress as always so it that's exciting that we'll get more of that um also speaking of falcon and the winter soldier i kind of mentioned so apparently the showrunner wanted to have a cameo like in the last episode of a certain marvel character he wanted to have spider-man appear there but then kevin feige's like eh, no <laughs> that's not gonna happen so he shot down the idea I guess it kind of makes sense in a way because trying to think of the, the, the timeline when this takes place versus when Far From Home takes place, you know, it might be a little like, wait, what's going on? And does, because what happened in, in Far From Home? I, man, I need to watch Far From Home again. But uh, there's a thing about uh, Spider Man's identity maybe getting exposed, right? So then here it wouldn't be. So maybe people would be confused by that. And just like whatever. And I also wonder if it has anything to do with like contractual obligation things. Because it seems like early in, in the Marvel, you know, whatever days, it's like someone signed up for nine or it was, I'm thinking Nick Fury, you know, Sam Jackson, like nine appearances or something like that. And that I think that kind of could include if you do a cameo, I guess, well, no, no, maybe I take that back. Maybe cameo is different from guest starring because that's kind of what Ray Fisher was saying or something like that, that his he was supposed to have supposedly had a, a big role in a Flash movie and then they moved it to a cameo and he's like, I'm not doing a cameo because it's probably less money or whatever. And then he said he got fired. It's like, no, you didn't get fired. They just changed the script and I don't know. Or maybe he did get fired. I don't, I don't know. But uh, yeah, so no Spider-Man. And the only way I think of it is, I, I guess, the, the fight at the end, which was like in New York City, right? And maybe Spider-Man would have been swinging by and like, hey, hey, hey guys. <laughs> hey, how's it going? <laughs> I don't know. So he's like, no. Um, apparently, Anthony Mackie didn't know there was going to be a Captain America 4. <laughs> he found out like after we all found that kind of type of thing. He said he was at the grocery store and uh, the checkout guy, Dwayne... <laughs> He's like shows the phone. He's like, "Hey, is this for real?" And he's like, "What? Uh, I don't know." So that's at that. I mean, Marvel's all about their their secrecy and everything like that. But it just seems kind of weird. It's like, does this mean that potentially Anthony Mackie might not be in Captain America four, or is it just they assume that he's going to do it, or you know maybe he's already under contract? And, you know, he knew it was going to happen, but maybe he just didn't know it was announced yet. But he figured, you know, they, they probably talked to him like, hey, you're under contract to do another movie. And, you know, and then I guess they would have to. I don't even know how that would work. It's like, you know, they have to do they work around his schedule or does it like overwrite some because he's he's been doing other like little movies and stuff here and there. So I, don't, I don't know. But that, that's just kind of funny. He was also uh, Anthony Mackie was also surprised that the, the Captain America costume didn't leak out because he's like, you know, we, we did a lot of, you know, sh sh shooting <laughs> scenes. That's what I was going to say. That we did a lot of scenes outdoors and there's a lot of like buildings and no one took a picture, which I think is great. I, it really bugs me when you see all these, uh, 
paparazzi not even paparazzi it's just like set footage it's, it's not set footage it's not officially because when you see these leaked photos a lot of times they look so bad because it's a out of focus it's you know someone's cell phone and it's probably like a like an iphone 5 5s or something and it just does it's grainy it's not clear the lighting is like just drab and so it just doesn't look cool it's like you you want the first time you see it to either be on screen or at least in like a high res or like a nice publicity shot image you know touched up or whatever so I don't know. So, I mean, it's, it's great that it didn't leak out. And the other thing is, like, I don't want to see it ahead of time. And and even if it's like, hey, here's a new costume, I don't want to be out there. Cause, yeah, I could always choose not to see it. But you can't do that. You're on social media. You know, so many outlets spoil things in their, like, their tw- tweets. They'll just like, yep, okay, it's been two days. We can spoil it. You know, who cares if people are busy or they're waiting or so, yeah, we have all that. And uh, Kevin Feige also talking about Eternal. He said that Gemma Chan, so she's playing Cersei, that she's like the kind of like the main character in Eternals, which to me makes sense because Cersei is like the one Eternal that I know f- for sure. I know like I know Cersei. I know who do I know? Is it I- Icarus? Icar- Icar- yeah, Icarus. Isn't he one? And then uh, there's Sprite now that I'm reading the comic. And then... Uh, that's all I can name. Even though I'm reading the comic, we were like, "What? Four issues of the comic?" So, <laughs> I, I, I hope I'm like blown away by this movie because uh, you know I, I hate to say it, but it's like I don't have any expectations for it. I'm not, not that I think it's gonna be bad. I'm just not super excited for it. Same thing with with Shang Chi. Uh, I mean, it could be cool, but I don't know anything. So we'll see. Uh, Chris Pratt, not Marvel, but. Chris Pratt has a, a trailer for The Tomorrow War came out. And, uh, I, you know, I when I heard the trailer came out, I didn't, and I still haven't seen it, to be perfectly honest. I haven't watched it when it came out. I was just like, I don't know, Chris Pratt. You know, what have you done for me lately? <laughs> it's like, I, I just, I, he kind of, like, he didn't he do something recently, just kind of like, not that it was annoying or anything, but I was just like, okay, I need a Chris Pratt break. And, uh, but at the same time, I feel like maybe we haven't really seen him in that much. So I don't know what I'm talking about. But then when I watched Invincible this week, there was like a little uh, preview at the beginning. And before, like when I was like halfway over, I was like, oh, this is that Chris Pratt movie. I didn't know it was an Amazon movie. So, yeah, that's going to be on there. And it looked okay from the last five seconds or tenths or whatever it was that I saw. So maybe I just don't know. I, I kind of I mean, I'm going to watch it when it comes out. Definitely. And I'll cover it. I guarantee I kind of guarantee that near guarantee, but I just don't feel like watching the trailer right now. And, and let's, let me be surprised. I, I maybe I'll go into it, not knowing anything. I'm sure I'll see, let's see before. Um, also speaking of Amazon. So Amazon is doing adaptation of paper girls, the comic by Brian K Vaughn and Cliff Chang, which is a really, really cool comic. They, they've cast, uh, the main girls, the, the characters. So that's exciting. I didn't look to see who they were. Cause I'm sure they don't, they're just, I mean, no offense, but there's like newcomers, which is as it should be. You know, you want young girls that can do this for for however long it's going to take to tell the whole story. So we have that, and then Sweet Tooth trailer. So Jeff Lemire's Sweet Tooth is going to be coming to Netflix. I don't know why I'm just like drawing a blank on what I'm trying to talk about. So trailer came out that comes out in June 4th. Trailer looks really good. Look really, really slick. 
And it's weird they're just saying DC Comics, whatever, because it came out through Vertigo. And yeah, the, the second volume, I guess, was DC. But it, it just, I guess it's a good thing if they, I don't, is it a good thing if they put the DC Comics in there? Because maybe that'll make more people interested. But also, if they see DC Comics, they might be like, oh, is there going to be a crossover with, you know, are we going to get the Snyder Cut of Sweet Tooth? Which, dear Lord, I don't even want to think about that. I shouldn't have even said that. Um, speaking of DC, Scarecrow has been cast for Titans season three. It's like, when is that coming out? There's like all this stuff coming out, and and I hope it just like sneaks up, and all of a sudden it's like it's out next week, and I'll be like, what? Uh, so that uh, Vincent Carth Carthizer, I don't know who that is. He's going to be uh, Scarecrow. And then uh, speaking of HBO Max, Thin Witchrock, Witchrock, Wit Wit Widrock, Wit. Whitrock is apparently going to be playing Guy Gardner in uh, the Green Lantern series on HBO Max, which I already said. Uh, Greg Verlanti's Green Lantern. We'll see how this, how this goes. So this guy, Finn, he's been in some stuff. I guess he was in American Horror Story, which I should watch that sometime. I, I think I never finished the first season. And um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I I liked it. I don't. It just I don't know why I never finished it. And then someday I'll, I'll watch those. So he's gonna be. Gar- he doesn't look like Gary Gardner from the the still shot I saw of him, but it, maybe that's just not a the perfect picture. So we'll see. And uh, then uh, the last bit of news, I guess this, that's it for the news. The last bit is DC Fandom is coming back. On October 16th. And I joke, it's like, yeah, you it better come back because they had that big hall built with all the giant superhero, like Jim Lee art and stuff that was like, you know, 20 feet high or whatever, which is all virtual C- CG or whatever, blue screened. Uh, so, yeah, that that's cool. That's fine. It, it just bums me out with all these, you know, WonderCon online, San Diego Comic-Con online, because it's like I can't really take part in it so much. If to me, it feels you know, as as a member of the press, if you want to call me that, you know, it, it seems because what I like about going to shows is you know you get that exclusive bit of content, con- content. I was gonna say context. You get that ex- exclusive bit of content, you know, and while I may interview so and so, whatever, and then there's like you know twenty other people doing interviews at the same time, or not at the same time as I am, but. You know, they all have the equal chance, but they may not all ask the same question. Not that my questions are spectacular or different, but it's it's my own personal thing. So that's why I like covering it because I can spin it however I want. And covering it like an online show, like if everything is like everyone else in the world can watch it at the same time, kind of. So reporting on it, it's like I'm reporting on something that everyone is potentially exposed to. So it's not really break and yeah there's gonna be some people like i'm not gonna sit you know 12 hours and watch all this stuff or whatever and uh, just give me a summary so i'm sure some people want that but it just feels weird to do that. it's the same thing like when i go to the conventions i don't really cover panels because i think you know there's rooms full of people that are like tweeting stuff real time so by the time i get back to the hotel room to write something up and post it and make it all pretty with pictures and links and then it's like okay this is like like six hours ago if not more. So I, I will see. But I mean, I did cover some stuff from list last year's fandom. So we'll see. And uh, that is going to be the news for the week.
All right, comic books at Image. We had crossover number six. So uh, things are, are moving along. This is a uh, with the sixth issue. I, th I think this is the end of the first arc, and you know we're, we're seeing. Do I need to begin from the beginning? So basically, there's been this dome where a bunch of comic book characters are there in the real world. And, you know, so it's like all these different characters. And so we've seen, which has been kind of cool in the last few issues, Madman's been there, but, you know, there's been some other little cameos. This issue, we get more cameos. Uh, I don't really want to spoil any, but, like, you see Witchblade, you see uh, Gert from I Hate Fairyland and so forth. So there's some other characters. There's another one that's kind of strongly hinted at is who is it. They're kind of in the shadow, but there's some characteristics that kind of make it out who it is. That's uh, that's the biggest obstacle hurdle that this this comic has to face, you know, because the idea is that this this huge crossover. But the problem is you can't imagine that like Marvel and DC are like, yeah, you can throw our character in there. That's, that's fine because, you know, everyone's going to want a piece of the action or whatever. So it's... There's there's a lot a lot of trick involved there. Now what happens if if they you know we have some characters are trying to get into the dome we're we're seeing what's going on and um, it's it's not going to go well for everyone. There's going to be some some uh, casualties and and so forth. So it's it's getting interesting and I'm I'm really curious where this is going to go because you know it it's it's a little ambitious but. You know, I, I think Donny Cates is is able to tell the story he wants to tell and everything, and you know, it'd be great if he could just use anyone because I, I think not that they're needed, but that would kind of be like the icing on the cake because you would think that you know without there should be all these other comic, but you see other ones like even just little cameos of other characters. And if you look carefully, there's this one scene which again I don't want to spoil stuff, but you see like this big fight, this big like two page spread, and there's like all these just mix of characters, and and you'll recognize a bunch of them. So the idea, the question is, was there permission granted for all these? I would think so. So it's it's pretty interesting. Uh, Deadly Class issue forty five. Uh, have I mentioned that I this is like my favorite comic? I think I say that like every time. So I I love Deadly Class, and I'm I'm not sure what it is. I think it's it's a combination of Rick Remender and uh, Wes Craig, you know, working on it, and. It's I've just there's just something about these characters and everything you know they're not the most likable characters obviously you know you have some kids you know Marcus he you know he he's not not a good good guy and everything but you know going to the, the school you know for assassins and everything like that and just so much bad stuff happened we kind of have this sort of little time jump here so now we're in 1991 and uh, it's interesting that to see where. Marcus is at this point and like I said it's it's not he's not in the best place but we're seeing how he's kind of moved away from the school and that's part of the interesting thing is like you know what happens when you you go to a school for assassins like a hardcore school like a high school for assassins basically you know high school is bad enough as it is and then you throw in all this other parts so he's a living a dreary life you know, there's a lot of drugs and stuff involved but then we start to see like maybe there's something else going on and it's a uh, because you know like the solicit said his past is never too far behind him so it, it's i just i love this book and if you haven't been reading it i, I probably say this all the time go back go, go from the beginning start reading this this is this is just 
I, I love this comic, and it's I don't know what more I need to say. <laughs> Department of True issue eight. This this comic is just it, it's kind of disturbing. I know I've said this before, but it's it's kind of freaky in a way. You know, all the idea of all these conspiracies and everything, and and as you read this, it's you're kind of wondering, like you know, as they kind of touch on different things. You know, you have to wonder, it's like, okay, is this mean this conspiracy is real or is it not already saying it's fake? And, you know, I can't help but wonder, it's like, what is James tied into fourth trying to tell us here and and so forth? But it's, it's there's just like little, little bits and, and stuff going on here. As they they end up at a, a Denver International Airport and they're talking about different things and and stuff that has come out in the past and like some explanation for it it's like wait is this is there any yeah so it's it's a heavy uh heavy heavy comic but it's it's like really cool and um the solicit says and so the solicit says cole turner so he's a guy that was brought in he was checking out these uh conspiracies like he was looking like the he kind of infiltrated like a, a group of flat earth um people and you know they they were supposed to be flying to the end of the earth or whatever, and then he like sees something and then they had to like cover this up or and there's like all this crazy stuff. So now he's working for the Department of Truth, and he's working with Lee Harvey Oswald, that's his boss, and you know so he's just trying to get answers to everything. And when as he was a child, he had a, like this nightmare about this like killer creature with like a star in his face you know pentagram and and now it's like wait that was his nightmare but it's real how's it real you know so there's this all this stuff going on and it's like i said it's it's kind of disturbing in a way but not like a grotesque like you know disgusting it's just that you know it kind of really gets you thinking and you know it's like you don't want to think about what could possibly be going on and and so forth so it's it's something. Uh, then we have Shadecraft issue two. So I, I I enjoyed this book. So this is by Joe Henderson and Lee Garbett. Uh, so they, they did a I think they both worked on a Skyward. So we have this this girl Zadie. Her brother's in a coma. You know he got in a car accident, and she keeps getting seeing these like freaky things with her shadow, like it's like shadow creatures. And we're starting to see that there are shadow creatures that are kind of after her, and even though no one sees that. Um, it turns out, um, spoiler, I guess, because it, it's mentioned, it happens at the end of the last issue, is one of the, like, the, she can talk to a shadow. A shadow's, like, actually her brother that's in a coma. Somehow he's, like, in shadow form. And there's something more going on. Like, like where, what's with these other shadows? Is, is it, like, something that's all in her mind, or is there more going on? So it's it's an interesting uh as the story like unfolds and uh, i believe uh this has also been um optioned for a netflix show i don't know if it's just a pilot or if it's a show so um you might want to get on board now before you know so that way you can like tell everyone's like yeah I, i've been reading that for for months now so it, it's it's good stuff so that was uh that's everything i read at image like outcast 40 i didn't i keep forgetting outcasts came out it feels like that came out forever ago. So it's issue 48. And is this the final issue? Yeah, this is the final issue. Uh, it's all been building this. The great merge is here. I don't know what that means. What does this mean for the world moving forward? I don't know. Kyle Barnes has spent every waking moment trying to gain control of his powers to find a place in this world that is safe for him and his family. In the end, was it all for nothing? 
I'll have to go back and, and read. I got so much stuff to catch up on. But yeah, I should check that out sometime. And then uh, Spawn came out. I haven't been reading that. Um, over at IDW, G.I. Joe, Real American Hero 280 came out. So this is continuing the Untold Tales. And this one, uh, uh, I, yeah, it's about the Baroness. So the Baroness bewitches in a final untold tale from the living legend Larry Hama, alongside hard charger and fan favorite G.I. Joe R. 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 What? Whatever. <laughs> I don't know what that means. So, yeah, there's more. Uh, that story is coming out. If you if you like Baroness, you might want to read that. I need to get caught up on that, and I know I've been saying that as well. Over at Dynamite, Berserker, Berserker, <laughs> sing <Something> about the <laughs> clerks. Uh, Berserker issue two came out, so we 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 started. We had a bit of a bombshell at the end of the first issue. So Berserker is like this unstoppable healing warrior dude. And, you know, like, he, like, let his fingers get shot off or something like that, in, you know, because he can heal. See, I think he, like, lost an eye or I don't even remember what happened. So we find out that he's, like, 80,000 years old. And in this issue, we, we kind of hear his story, like, how, where he came from. Like, how how is he 80,000 years old? How does he have this, this fighting ability and healing ability and everything like that? So it's a... Uh, not what I expected, and and by that I mean it's like I didn't really see it coming at that. Like one, I don't even think like when I first heard about this, I didn't realize he was eighty thousand years old or whatever. So it's I'm I'm definitely intrigued with what is going on and what this is going to mean and where is it going to go. So you might want to check that out if you're you're interested. And that they're going to do something with this. You know, Keanu Reeves is interested in, in making something happen with that. Then at DC, we had Action Comics uh, 1030. So this is starting. What is interesting and also worrying is some of the stuff that's happening in, in a few of the different comics. It feels like it's leading up towards the future state stuff. And the reason that's worrying is because I, I didn't really enjoy some of that that's future state stuff. And I know my complaint was, you know, why am I reading this? Why, why does it matter? And now it's like these books are showing us why it matters because this is like potentially what's going on. And yeah, so one of the things that we've been seeing in the past few issues is, is Jonathan, uh, Superman's son, Superman Lois' son, He's, he's been kind of concerned because as he spent time in the future with the Legion of Superheroes, he actually did a lot of reading of history, which he probably shouldn't have. And, you know, a lot of the stories about his father, about Superman, kind of end around this era. So it's like, okay, something happened to him. Why, why aren't there any stories? You know, does he die here? Does he disappear? What's going on? And what's interesting is they're doing tests on him Tests on Jonathan are also saying that he's potentially could be stronger than Superman and Supergirl, and which he's half Kryptonian, so he's going to be stronger than a pure Kryptonian. Maybe there's something with the Kryptonian-human mixture of DNA hybrid or whatever. I, it's, it's possible some sort of chemical reaction or genetic reaction, I guess, but it seems kind of weird. So that's as you, if you've seen the solicits, like with you know Tom Taylor taking over or whatever. Um, 
or whatever the Superman, son of Kala, whatever that it's called. So we're gonna see uh, Jonathan as Superman, and the reason it seems like is Kalel is gonna be on War World, probably like fighting for people who are being held captive or whatever, or forced to fight in in arenas and stuff like that. I don't know how I feel. It's like I just I just want good Superman stories, and I'm not saying we can't have good Jonathan stories. But why shove Superman somewhere else? And maybe it's because now that he doesn't have a secret identity, no one knows what to do with him, right? I doubt that. But So that, that was an interesting issue. Okay, there's a Batman Black and White issue 5 came out. I didn't even, I didn't get this. I didn't look at this. And uh, there could be some good stuff. Like I said, it's just, they're not quite for me. So I, I didn't, I don't even know if there's anything good in there. I'm sure there is. Superman, or Batman Superman issue 17. This is continuing the story. What's it called? Basically, um, it's it's weird because we're, it's you know, as the cover says, the world's finest together again for the first time. So we, the last issue was, it was kind of cool. It, you know, there was like two stories told at the same time. So there's a story with, with kind of like Golden Age Superman, or Batman and Robin, and Golden Age Superman. And, you know, they, they were split the pages split like by like a film strip you know so whatever uh and but then they the worlds kind of crossed over a bit and you know they don't know who each other are and it's it's there's some interesting things on on one hand i feel like like oh it's like where is this going you know i I feel like this is just and like an out of continuity story where it's it's not going to have any impact on everything but it's enjoyable you know i i'm i'm liking it and that's I guess that's the important thing. That's what should be happening. So it may not change the status quo of, of anything or establish any you know long running bits of continuity. But it's I I think part of it is is seeing these like the classic version of these characters is interesting. You know, just like you know Batman and Robin, the dynamic duo, like Dick Grayson as Robin. There, there's something something charming about that or that or adorable. Not adorable, but but I'm 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 kind of enjoying that. I'm not. And I'm not like blown out of my seat with the the story, but I am I'm I'm digging it. I'm enjoying it, and like I said, that's that's what what matters. Then we have Detective Comics 1035, and I I I love the fact that uh, Mariko Tamaki is, is writing this. I feel like I missed the, the big announcement for this. I must have missed the big announcement for this because this is huge. This is a big deal that, and it shouldn't be a big deal. But it is a big deal that we have a woman that is writing these kick-ass Batman stories. I mean, I I love what I love what she her writing, you know. Period. But the fact that you know we finally have a woman writing Batman, because uh, that, that you know my question is she the the perm the ongoing writer or is she just like filling in? Because uh, I I don't know what if there was an announcement about this, but I think this is great, and I, I'm not saying you know forced equality and this and that like oh we need to start doing and you know but maybe we should you know i I always feel like it shouldn't matter you know gender race or whatever should be whoever's the best for it but i'm sure there's been a lot of times where women aren't it's like what you're gonna write batman you're gonna write this or you know because they think it's like oh no you know you're a woman you should be writing wonder woman or you should be writing you know whatever you get what i'm saying so i i think that should not be overlooked and normally i wouldn't want to 
forcibly draw attention to it, but it, it does deserve the attention because, you know, she's doing an awesome job with, with this and I'm really enjoying uh, the story. There's, it's, it's intriguing just like seeing this part of like, we're almost seeing like a different part of Gotham and now that, that Bruce is living, I, I forgot what the, the section of Gotham with, cause you know, there's like all the different boroughs or whatever, but it's interesting seeing him living like in his townhouse and, and the idea that, you know, part of the reason he's living there is because, you know, there's tunnels that could lead him, you know, to different aspects and lead him back to the Batcave or whatever and, and stuff like that. So there's some cool things. And this, this one um, high society woman, like sort of like a, a neighbor or whatever, was abducted. Like what happened to her? And then there's stuff going on. The only thing I don't like, and it's like across the board with the Batman, is I don't care for this mayor dude. And I know that the point of him being like anti-vigilante, anti-mask or whatever, that that's to create more obstacles or whatever, you know, for the characters. But it's just, I, I just, it seems silly to, to pour resources into like an anti-vigilante task force, whatever, when, and I, I feel like I've, I've probably said this already. It's like you should have an anti-crime task force, you know, Penguin is operating out of the Iceberg Lounge, which is floating off the Gotham Harbor or whatever. No one's doing anything about that. How many people are escaping from Arkham Asylums? No one's doing anything, you know, trying to gather them up or make sure they don't escape. And said, let's get funding, whatever, for, to make sure mass vigilantes aren't out there saving people's lives. So that's that's my, my big problem. There's also a Huntress uh, story in here, which I, I like Huntress. And it, it's interesting because I keep forgetting how the Huntress now sort of, you know, is a different sort of Huntress because of the Grayson series when, you know, he was a spy and and they changed Huntress or whatever, you know, Helena Bertinelli. But I, I'm, I, I like that she's back in, or she is in the Huntress costume. But it, there's some, some, some good stuff there. Um, Harley Quinn issue two. This, uh, I... I kind of stopped reading this i was like it i just started losing interest and and i don't know what it is and it, i maybe it's just a mixture you know i know i've said this before but like riley rosmo's art i love his art it's just very stylistic and everything like that but sometimes for me it can be a bit much like a bit too stylized and then it kind of takes me out of the story because it, it it feels like you know his his story he's his art should be used for certain type of stories and I'm I'm thinking like Harley here compared to like Harley and Batman, uh, it just it kind of feels like it's not on the same page or the same pace or the same whatever I'm trying to say. So I don't know. I yeah. So I I didn't finish that one, but maybe I will go back and, and read it. Then um, I just realized the next Batman came out. I'm I'm falling behind on that. I think I. I think I may have read the last couple issues, but I don't know if I talked about them or not. I think I, I feel like I feel or I talked to him recently. Then we have Robin issue one. So Robin is determined to infiltrate this League of Lazarus tournament, and you know he he wants to try to get in there. And uh, it starts off with him fighting King Snake. That's his name, right? <laughs> and uh, you know he ends up getting like a like a what is it? Uh, not a voucher, like a coin, like a, basically an entrance to this tournament. And then as soon as he gets there, he just wants to start fighting and everything like that. And uh, we see some other characters. Uh, some of them are like Nightwing characters. Like I think Tad was there. It's like, 
how is he an assassin? And there are, there's these other two. What was her names? But it, it's like weird seeing some of the other characters. There was someone else that was kind of cool to see there. But like some, like these are all assassins. Are just this supposed to be a super deadly, you know, tournament thing? I was like, okay, this is the deadliest of the deadliest, or whatever. <laughs> we'll have to see what, what's what's going to happen with Damien. Like, is he? He's uh, not that I'm not. He's not all bark, but he has a very loud bark, and I guess it's a matter of will his bite be able to back it up? His bark, roof. This is, I don't know, it's a bad analogy. So it's, it's definitely definitely an interesting first issue. And a lot of times, you know, the typical thing with the end of the first issue, you get like a crazy ending, like cliffhanger, to, to make you want to come back for a second issue. And this one does have, have a pretty, probably one of like the craziest cliffhanger endings. It's just like, um, okay, how the heck are you going to continue from here? Where are you going to go next? Like what, what you, there's nothing you can do. So it's uh, definitely when you see that, you're going to be like, holy crap, what's going on? So, yeah, that's uh, that's pr pretty nuts. Um, that was, uh, I guess that was everything at DC. Over at Marvel, we had Better Ray Bill. So Better Ray Bill, he's he's stuck in, in a horse form because, because Jerky Thor destroyed Stormbreaker. So now he can't revert back. So he's trying to figure out what can he do. And you know, he decides like, well, I need to find Odin. You know, Odin made made this, you know, the hammer in the first place. So, you know, maybe he can help me. <laughs> Otherwise, he can't turn back into his uh humanoid form. And uh that was a bit of a problem <laughs> last issue. It was it was very tragic when it happened. It's just like, I'm so sorry, better Ray Bill. But that's how it goes. Black Widow, issue six, Black Widow's back. I love Black Widow. I, well, I love Black Widow. I love Kelly Thompson's Black Widow. Oh, this is just a great story. Very heartbreaking first arc. Highly recommended. I mean, it's it's pretty nuts. And and uh, if, if just that is not enough reason or encouragement or praise or whatever, you also have Winter Soldier and Hawkeye and uh, Yelena. Um, they're all in, in that. So you should definitely pick up. The trade when it first comes out, sort of for the first five issues. I don't think it's out yet, but uh, it's 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 good stuff. And I think most of the issues are on Marvel Unlimited. But you should please support this book because I, I want this to keep going. I'm tired of the Black Widow series. You know, constantly here's an arc and then it's over. So I'm so glad it's still going because I, I want this to keep going. But there's a it's so it's a new arc and uh, it's it's nice because. Uh, Natasha and Yelena are still kind of together and she's staying in San Francisco. So she's going to, you know, do some new stuff. And then uh, she's going up against this new threat. And uh, it's, it's a pretty cool, cool fight. Um, stuff that, that goes on there. So just, just read, read the book. That, that's all I, you need to know. Cable issue 10. So Cable, he knows he has to go after Strife. Strife is around. He, and, but he's like, I don't know if I can stop Strife. You know, Strife is up to all this crazy stuff, and you know, he's kidnapping mutant babies. He's making all these clones of me, and you know these clones are trying to like infiltrate. You know, they're kind of like sleeper agents or whatever. So he destroyed a bunch of them. He doesn't know if he destroyed all of them, and you know he's he's like, I, I might be over my head. You know, maybe I shouldn't have killed my older self 
because you know my older self probably would have been able to deal with this like no problem since he's has a lot more experience so very big of him to realize that and admit that to himself so basically what he wants to do he's like we need to bring him back we need to resurrect him problem is you can't have two of the same person that's like one of the big no-nos with the the x-men resurrection protocols or whatever and then the other thing he's like well you know maybe i just need to go back to my time and you know that could be a solution so if young cable kid cable whatever you want to call him if he goes back to where he's supposed to be then they could resurrect older cable and then you know deal with all that and that way we don't have two cables i like young cable uh you know at first i'm just like this this guy is annoying he's a weenie or whatever you know he's a little bratty kid you know killing himself or his future self but i i'm i'm enjoying him and it's it's nice seeing him with cyclops and gene you know because they're basically his parents and, and all that so that that part's nice. seeing him dating like others and so there, there's some nice things. I wouldn't mind having both versions. You know, I'm all for that. But he does also mention how, you know, older Cable kind of insisted that the original X-Men, the young X-Men that were in the present, that got, came forward in the present, that they go back to the original time and so forth. So it's like, you know, he would kind of be a hypocrite if he just kind of does the same thing. So... Uh, it, it's it's good stuff, and it's Jerry Duggan and Phil Noto. So, you know, this this has just been a fun series. Fantastic Four thirty one. So, one of the things, uh, so they have this they have this uh, forever gate that can take you any place in space and time. So, just like dimension, just whatever thing that they have, and uh, Reed decides, like, hey. Ben, let's go on a little trip. You know, we haven't been spending enough time together, so they, they go there. And one of the things, you know, it takes, like, so much energy that has to build up and stuff like that that, you know, you can only do, like, a, you have to calculate how many trips you can do and, and so forth. So they're in this, like, other dimension. And then someone, which I won't spoil who, decides to use the Forever Gate for themselves. They do a couple things. They go here, they go there, and they come back. Use up all the energy. So... Reed and John and Reed and Ben get trapped in this other dimension, and it's going to take like a month until they can come back. But and no one really knows that they're there. And in this dimension, it's kind of like whatever you think, like kind of comes to light, kind of appear or kind of manifest. So Ben started thinking about like things that could kill them, and then sort of like fighting all this time, and they can't stop thinking about it. And so there, there's some some messiness there. There's also some stuff going on with a uh, Franklin. Franklin, aside from being a teenage now, a teenager, he's he's just very upset, which again a lot of teenagers are. But you know he's he's lost his powers and he's just trying to figure things out. So he kind of kind of has a a major chip on his shoulder, which is annoying. But it's like, well, what can they do and and so forth. Then there is a Modoc Head Games issue four. This was kind of a weird issue and i'm i'm still i, I kind of i feel like i need to go back and read like this this series i'm not really quite sure how i feel because we we kind of get some answers so basically modok has been trying to get answers he has these memories about like a life with a, a wife and two children and you know he doesn't know if that's real or not. it's like where are these memories coming from and you're already being suppressed or or hidden or whatever and and the family is basically the family that we see in the upcoming 
Modoc show on Hulu. So, you know, there's there's that nice connection since uh, this is by Jordan Blum and Pat Oswalt. And so while Modoc is getting, he kind of gets some answers. And so it may not be the answers that he wants or that we would want necessarily. And so there's some interesting things. And, and Modoc is like not going to take it too, too kindly. And then he's going to obviously change things and, you know, make his own, uh, forge his own path and so forth, which is going to be interesting. Uh, Miles Morales, Spider-Man issue 25. So this is beginning the clone saga. And um, I, I'm not really sure how I feel about it. I'm not against the idea of Miles having his own clone saga. I'm, I'm totally fine with that. And, you know, with Spider-Man, the original clone saga, I, I am a big fan of the clone saga. I don't like how it ended. And don't get me started on that. That that's like a that could be like its own podcast to talk about <laughs> what happened to Ben Riley. I don't want I don't want to get into it now. I've mentioned it too many times, and if you've been listening, you already know where I'm going. And I'm just like I'm just resist. Just like I'm trying not to go there. Anyways, because so when the news came out <laughs> with Miles having his own clone saga, I posted about it on EntertainmentFish.com, and I saw a couple comments like you know some people were kind of complaining about unoriginal ideas you know it's like why did it have you know do this or whatever and just because miles is uh what what do you call it you know he's not i mean he's basically a, a, like a, a spinoff of spider-man or whatever you want to call it you know he's a legacy character or whatever and they tend to put these characters through similar storylines like you know x-23 with her um with what was it oh the hunt what was the Wolverine? Anyways, they kind of give them like the same story, but with a twist because it's you know a different character and all that. I'm and I'm I'm fine with that. You know, I I think it's intriguing to see something similar, but with a totally different character that I pretty much I most likely really like that character as well. So it's interesting to see them get their own version of it. You know, same like Planet Hulk or World of Hulk. You know, they did those Amadeus Cho or whatever. So that's what I'm saying. And so here. It's not the same story, but it you know there's gonna be some some of the same beats. Uh, so a few months ago or whatever, uh, actually, actually issue seven, Miles was kidnapped by this dude Dia Suster, and this felt like it came out of nowhere. Because remember what happened? He was just kidnapped and basically kind of like tortured and just you know experimented on and all this stuff like that. It was kind of horrific for him. Uh, I would imagine it'd be traumatic, and apparently from that incident this assessor dude was making copies or got miles's genetic code or something like that so we're going to see these clones out and about and they're up to no goods and they're they're wearing no goods <laughs> they're up to no goods and you know kind of giving miles spider-man a bad name and so miles has to do something but miles has has like a lot going on and there there's like some stuff that happens between him and genki Gink, Ginky, I call him Ginky, and and so forth. And then Spider Man shows up, and they kind of get into it, and and so forth. So we'll have to see where this goes. Uh, the whole thing with clones, I mean, it's it's kind of a tricky thing. It's it's almost like you need a clone detector because you know at the end of the day, if it's a perfect clone, then it's like okay, who's the real clone, who's not? That was one of the problems with the original Clone Saga when they tried flipping it. People lost their minds when they were trying to say, the Spider-Man you've been reading for the past 20 years has been a clone. 
It's like, surprise, you've been reading a fake, which, you know, it shouldn't matter to some extent because, you know, you those have been great stories, and but I, I totally get it. So that's where you just have to be careful with, you know, where, where it goes. But I'm curious what's going to happen here, so... We'll see. So it's it's a it's a good first issue, first part of the, not first issue, first part of of the new story arc. So you probably want to check that out. Then we have New Mutant Seventeen. I'm, uh, you know, I I was digging this series. I'm just kind of okay with it lately. And I think the big part of it is because uh, Shadow King's in here. I say I I just never liked Shadow King. I don't care for Shadow King. I just. I kind of dread stories that involve him. It's like I just don't want to read him, and and it's kind of like almost how I feel about Carnage. <laughs> if you if you had like a Shadow King Carnage team up, I would kind of lose my mind. I'd be like, I'm I'm gonna be all the way on the other side of the room when this comic comes out or whatever. So Shadow King has been on Krakoa, and and I still don't. I feel like I missed something. You know, he's working with a group of kids. I don't know what his intentions are. I don't know, has he truly reformed, as a lot of mutants have with the Krakoa and whatever and all this, or is he like up to his usual shenanigans? And Because the, the the kids that he's been working with, they've been doing this like body swapping thing, which is just weird. Like at one point they're like, I'm going to put my, my, my body, my essence into a flower. And then now what they kind of want to do is like, well, can we do it with an inanimate object? Or can we switch bodies, not do it? And they have this like body farm thing where X Factor, you know, they, they take the husks, the dead body, and so if they need to experiment or you know whatever. Uh, so they're kind of thinking it's like, well, maybe we could go into a dead body and have that. For, but it's like you can't just use someone else's body because that's not appropriate. And and so, yeah, so I don't know where where this is going. And Wolfsbane, spoiler, is a. Uh, talking to shadow king and it's just like wait a minute um do you believe what he's saying because i don't so i don't know savage avengers issue 20 this was okay i i'm i like this series for the most part uh this one basically so conan's been hanging out at the bar with no name and because he just wants to drink and uh the bartender is talking about how they may have to move to new location because you know they're constantly moving because they have to hide from the heroes and hide from the police or pay off the police and and stuff like that and someone was it rhino or someone else they're like i i like drinking here i don't want to go to new location and stuff like that so the bartender's like well then you know we're going to need more money to pay off the police or whatever so there's going to be a heist that where they can you know make a bunch of money and conan's like i'll go you know but if i get some of the 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 booty or bounty or whatever and so there's stuff going on and then uh so is it just rhino and conan and then spider-man hears there's a bank robbery so he kind of gets involved and it, it was okay but it, it's weird because it's yeah not like the main story about Kulan goth which maybe that's fine because i that's another dude i don't like silk issue two this is an okay series you know there's stuff going on gangs are, are getting killed and so silk is working for threats and menaces j jonah jameson's uh, online news uh, outlet and you know but she's also working at silk trying to figure out what what's going on who's going after them and they're just like giant cat beasts attacking them and killing them but propositioning them first so she's trying to get involved and trying to figure out what's going on 
I really like Silk. I, I think she's a neat character, even though the the her origins, you know, is questionable. You know, but I I, I just like the idea of of Silk. So I, I'm intrigued with where this could go and what they're gonna do. So we'll see. But I I mean I'm not. I, with this, I'm not like completely blown away with these t- first two issues, but I'm just I'm so glad that Silk is back in the comic book, that she has a series. So I I hope things do pick up because I I just I want to keep reading Silk comics. Then we have Darth Vader issue eleven. So Darth Vader is ticked off at the Emperor. You know he was kind of like stripped down and everything, left to fend for himself on Mustafar. You know, he couldn't use the force to rebuild himself and he's finally come back and and he's like determined he's like, I'm no longer your apprentice and he wants to go after the Emperor and the Emperor just is like laughing at him because he's like, you know, I've prepared for everything. So there's some some kind of cool moments here and so forth. And we're seeing like other bits of information, like other stuff that the Emperor has. So it's interesting to think about this and um the context that this is, you know, right after Empire Strikes Back. So, so many things that he has that is like alluded to in uh, Rise of Skywalker. And uh, at one point, you even see like there's like a, in like a floating glass tank, there's a severed hand there. So it's like, whose hand is that? Uh, so there's, there's some, I, I, I enjoyed, it. but then it just kind of ends and it's like, okay, I, I, I kind of wanted a little more and you know not not that I'm being greedy or anything like that but it was just it was kind of kind of weird how it just like kind of just like sort of sort of ended there. And then uh we had US Agent issue 5. I really kind of you know this this has been an interesting series but this this final issue I feel like I almost feel like I didn't read issue 4. And and there's like some parts that were a little confusing and and some parts it's like okay Throughout this series, you know, John Walker has a sister. I don't remember ever hearing mention of his sister before. And then it turns out he had a brother too. So I don't maybe it was mentioned, you know, offhand during his first appearance or whatever, you know, when he became Captain America and then US agent or whatever. But it's it's just I don't know. There's just some some weird things and uh it is kind of establishing uh like a new direction not necessarily new direction but a continued direction for us agent and everything like that and um yes but this is like the last issue and then it's he's gonna appear next in a oh what's it called uh, captain america it's some captain america one shot I, I can look this up where <laughs> it's okay it says when his shield is stolen this is, oh, this is uh united states of captain america when his shield is stolen, Steve Rogers teams up with Captain America's of the past, Bucky Barnes, Sam Wilson, and John Walker on a road trip across America to recover it. That sounds cool, right? I, I'm totally down with it. Those guys, you know, with John Walker trying to get along and everything like that, trying to find a shield. But then this is where I think I, I read a press release or something like that, and I kind of rolled my eyes. Throughout the group's journey, they discover everyday people – from all walks of life, who've taken up the mantle of Captain America to defend their communities. <laughs> That's me metaphorically metaphorically throwing up. Oh, man. So that, to me, sounds like, okay, 
it, it's it's not going to matter, but maybe it will. So I don't know. Uh, yeah. So this is this is a weird comic, and it's almost like I feel like I need to go back and reread it because I I don't know, like I missed something. Then there is X Men Legends issue three. So this is like a new uh, new direction, new whatever. It's uh, X Factor. X Factor's here. So Louise Simonson and Walt Simonson are back. And this takes place before what it say? I think it was X Factor 43. So this is like right after Archangel and Cameron Hodge's confrontation when Cameron Hodge gets decapitated. And uh, when they're, they're going around on a ship uh, that uh, Apocalypse had before. And. Uh, they they have baby Nathan, which it's weird because they're calling him Christopher. So there's there's some some cool moments in seeing uh, just little bits, you know, thinking that that this is because I think all this stuff is in continuity, and because that's what they said with the X Men stuff. So it's kind of like here's a little bit more that you know we we kind of missed out on. So I think that's that's kind of interesting in a way, and it's it's a a nice callback going back and having like you know the you know walt simonson's art on this because and and you know louise writing it it feels like you know they're going back and reading a back issue so there's there's some cool moments and you if you read any of the original x factors or whatever you should definitely be checking this out and with that that is it for there's a hellfire gala guide i don't know what's going on with this hellfire gala but basically it just seems like it's it's an, an excuse to make new costumes and i don't it's it's like okay you have nothing but, but, i mean so they're they're neat fancy outfits i like i like uh x23's dress <laughs> and like sink has a has a cool coat um sunfire looks looks pretty cool but it's kind of like why why do we have this i mean I, I'm I'm just so confused. Like Banshee has like this big draping like cloak. Uh, <laughs> I just I don't don't understand. Oh man, well, Psylocke. The Psylocke has an interesting, very interesting outfit. Yeah, I don't. Oh, Dazzlers. Oh, Dazzler. Okay, now I'm looking at this. Uh, so some of these designs are cool. I just don't understand why we're we're doing this gala. Um, as I sit here and look at all these character designs. Uh, Magic looks cool. Magneto, oh my gosh, Magneto is a very, he has a top hat. <laughs> and he has a cane and like some gold trimming on his costume. So that's definitely uh, interesting. Uh, Gambit, that doesn't even look like Gambit. Uh, Gambit's, Gambit's wearing like no no shirt and like an open jacket, whatever. Uh, let's see what else. Who else do we have? Wolverine's like in a, a black suit. Okay, there's nothing. Be- Beast is wearing. <laughs> you can I I uh, I forgot if this was like free uh, download uh, on the Marvel app or probably on Comicsology too. But I read on a Marvel app. Beast has like a basically like a tuxedo, but it's almost like he's wearing shorts, like or almost like the pants didn't fit him. So his just like bushy hairy legs are just sticking out. Um, yeah, so this is coming up. <laughs> Take the Hellfire Gala. I don't know. So check out with that. So with that, on that note, that's gonna be the end of the comic book coverage for this week. Okay, Bird Girl, season one, episode four. We got the internet, and I like the show, but I'm just. Uh, 
Who, who else is watching this? I, I, I feel like I want to actually talk to someone who's watching this. Uh, I, I do like the show. I like the characters. I'm just not loving it. And I, I don't I don't know. So this this episode, um, is it like it's it starts out. I'm just going to run through it. Right. What more can I say about it? But a bunch of nuns are walking by this, the uh, seven seven office. One kneels and starts praying, says the building's alive and starts throwing up. So there's something going on with the building, which we never really heard about before, which is weird, like out of nowhere. Uh, Judy then is in her office with uh, Meredith, and she's like cranking this big thing because apparently they're like so old technology. So she's making memos like a mimeograph with like a giant huge thing, and the the memos say that they have the internet that they're supposed to give out on Monday because Monday they're going to have the internet, and like Meredith makes makes a joke that well like on Monday they could just send out an email saying that, but you know it's, I, I guess that's the joke or whatever. So then, uh, as they're in the window, they you know they look out the window. I guess the parking garage is like across the street or somewhere like outside, and they kind of joke like, "Well, what does Brian do on a Friday night besides trying to find his car?" You seem like kind of walking around with his little key fob. And then, as uh, everyone's about to leave, she wants Meredith, Charlie, and uh, the massage guy Paul. Uh, I keep forgetting his name to help put memos on everyone's desk, and she, there's like huge stacks of memos, whatever. But then, as as she's saying this, there's some, like someone watching from the vent. You see, like like a cartoonized an event. So the nun calls the office and Judy happens to be out of the phone that's ringing. So she answers it. And the nun's like, the building's alive. She's like, get out now. But Judy kind of just doesn't really hear it or whatever. And doesn't pay it any attention. Then um, we see Meredith is at home. Cause she just like, she left and Brian knocks on the door and he's, dressed like the super you know as a like a white t-shirt and like a tool belt whatever so it's like wait a minute are they hooking up because they're like there it's like what's going on because brian so brian is supposed to be like the pubes guy where you know he like would thrust his his uh pelvic area but his uh he just apparently has a lot of pubes so it looks like he's got a bulge downstairs and so I was like, wait, what's going on? Uh, back at the building, so uh, apparently the electricians or the internet people are, are hooking stuff up like over the weekend. So they're going to have internet on Monday, but they're, they're not even wired for this. And like one of, there's like two electricians, two, two women that are, are doing this. And I just say women because it, it's, it's, it's nice that instead of having your stereotypical guy worker, you know, dudes, that they have two women. I think they're both women. Pretty sure they were. Uh, but they're kind of skeptical about because old the building's old and you know getting your thing and like stuffs weird stuff happens like walls are crumbling and they're just because the, the building's alive so as as we're getting to so then we see Brian and Meredith had sex they're laying in bed and he's like I could get used to this whatever and then he's like I can't wait to tell everyone at the office and then Meredith does a and like erases his mind but then she has to make him sign a consent form so he's a little dazed of it and she kind of puts like a a telepathic image of the consent form in front kind of scrolls through it and just, he's like, oh, okay. And he just like accepts it without really knowing what, what he's doing. Uh, at back at the building, um, Charlie gets, they kind of get separated because like the, the buildings, like it, it killed one of the workers somehow. There's she like, it was like half in the wall, half out or whatever. So then Charlie's in this room and there's like all these pictures coming up and she's like, Oh yeah, those are from my personal collection. And you see her with a bunch of baby seals and she's like, Oh, that's, that's a good picture. And then they're like baby seals being led to this big Skinner machine. And then there's another picture of her, like in front of like a bunch of dead bodies behind her, and she's like, "Yeah, that's good." Or, and she's like, "Yeah, I admit, it's like I've done questionable things for this company or whatever." So it's like, okay. And then we see Paul, like what his fear. He was talking about this earlier that 
he that no one here will hear what he's saying you know when he's trying to talk or whatever so he's in this room and he's like trying to talk but he can't hear any or he can't hear his voice or something like that and then judy has to face this like evil looking shadow creature thing but it's really this like little girl playing the bagpipes because apparently her parents don't want her practicing at home and she's saying how she spends a lot of time staring for an air ducts or whatever and she says that you know the building's ticked off or whatever so i don't know and then like later Brian is back at Meredith's again as a super. And then he comes in. He's like, oh, I just feel like deja vu or something like that. And she finally tells him, she's like, it's not deja vu. She's like, we've had sex. And then, you know, I erase your memory. And she's like, it was, you know, it was your idea at first, you know, because so you wouldn't get too attached or whatever. And, you know, they've, they've done it a lot of times apparently. And so then she's like, you know, you can tell whoever you want, whatever. But then they go through it and he just asks her to erase his memory again because it would be too painful to remember the moment that they shared or whatever. And it's like, whatever, over. and So I don't know. So anyways, a little girl in the building, her name's Evie. And, you know, she says she spends a lot of time just talking to the building and stuff like that. And at one point, I, I don't know if I kind of missed something. Maybe I got distracted. But I don't know if if Judy knew the little girl. Because at one point, they're, they're saying that, you know, she's been watching or the building's been watching Judy since she was a little girl. So I don't know if it was the building or the girl, whatever. Yeah. Uh, so then Meredith and Brian have sex again. We see them. But then he says that he remembers it all. And apparently he never told anyone. So maybe he's not as scummy as a guy as, as we're led to believe. And then it kind of ends where, you know, they have the internet and, you know, the building. I, I don't even know. So horrible description. But, I mean, I'm going to keep watching the show. I mean, I, I, I just, I like the, there's something about the character Bird Girl. And I wish we have had Harvey Birdman. But... I don't know. It's just the show's, eh, I don't know. It's not all about me. I know that, but it's just, it's not, it's not blowing me away. I feel like something's just off and it's not as, as hilarious as Harvey Birdman, which different show. And yeah, that had the, the luxury of all the Hannah Rivera cameos, but man, so I don't know. I mean, I don't even know how, how this is working listening. I just, I feel like I'm being like a negative Nancy. No offense, Nancy, Nancy's. <laughs> so that's gonna be bird girl for this week i should i keep going i, I feel like i want to keep going because i i want to i want to promote the show but i'm not not doing a great job am i so that's gonna be uh yeah that's that's bird girl for this week but then invincible season one episode eight so this this is gonna be a little longer doesn't be more than six minutes where i really come from so this is the final episode there's gonna be spoilers you should be watching it uh, it's just such a good show uh, so it's it picks up from last last episode. It's like you see it's like raining blood, and then like Immortal's body just falls, and there's just all this blood. So you know he's like split in half. Omni Man tells Mark that they need to talk, and then Mark like hits him. He's like, "What are you doing? Whatever." And he's like, he's like, he's like, he thinks someone's controlling him. He's like, "Let him go, let him go." And he's just like hitting him. So then Omni Man tells him to stop. He's like, "Stop! It's just me." And he's like, "This isn't how I want to do this, but I have no choice." He's like, "It's time you knew where I really come from." He's like, "I come from Viltrum." Like I said, but it's not the planet I told you about. So, you know, they did create a perfect civilization, but it took all their strength and determination and stuff, whatever, to get there. And in order to reach your full potential, they had to remove the weak from their society. So Omni-Man says it was like a long and difficult process. It ended with half their pop or with their population cut in half. And then what emerged from the ashes was unstoppable. And so by the time Omni-Man was born, Viltrum was like the greatest empire in the galaxy, but then they decided to make it the only empire. So when 
Omni-Man was old enough, he joined a war effort, and, you know, some some planets resisted, but they didn't last very long against them. And then soon, the Empire encompassed thousands of planets, but as the Empire grew, their resources were stretched, so they needed a, you know, better, more efficient way to conquer all the worlds. And the most trusted officers were each given a planet to weaken by themselves. So... Omni-Man, he was uh, one of the lucky few, and he couldn't tell Mark's mother why he was there, but that time has come to an end. So they need to get Earth ready to join the Viltrum Empire. He's like, it's good news because then uh, we can finally be what we were meant to be. And Mark's like, you lied to me. And Omni-Man said that he had to wait until Mark's power showed to see if he was a true Viltrumite. And Mark, he doesn't believe it. He's like, he's like, but you know, you love me. You love mom. And Omni-Man asks, he's like, you know how long we live? He's like, you know, the older we get, the slower we age. And Vultramite DNA is so pure that Mark is basically full Vultramite, <laughs> which is kind of weird. So he, Omni-Man's like, you'll live for thousands of years. And he's like, you know, everyone you know and love will, will be gone by the time you look 30. He's like, this isn't your world, it's theirs. He's like, you know, we can help stop war and give them medicine and technology, whatever, He's like, you know, we've already been doing that. He's like, without the, you know, without us, we, they'd be nothing. And and he says that, you know, he does love Debbie. You know, he, he's like, I do love your mother, but she's more like, like a pet. And he's like, a pet. And then Omni Man puts his hand on his shoulder, and he's like, don't touch me. And he tells him, he's like, calm down. Mark yells, he's like, you expect me to enslave my friends for a bunch of aliens I never met? And Omni Man's like, he's like, you know, you don't know what you're saying. He's like, I, I can't let you interfere. So then Mark like puts up his dukes or whatever. He's like, I know exactly what I'm saying. And Omni-Man's like, oh, he just looks at him. He's like, so be it. So then Omni-Man starts punching Mark, knocks him down to the ground. Mark like swings, you know, but then Omni-Man just catches his fists and like kind of bends his wrist back. He's like, do you really think you can stop me? So Cecil, you know, he, he, oh, he takes Mark and he like just throws him. He goes flying, you know, miles away, whatever. So Cecil tells his men to track their trajectory because he wants to know where they're going before they get there. Debbie's there with them and she, you know, she's watching all this and you know she can hear everything. And she tells Cecil, it's like, you have to stop this. And so one of the people said that they're slowing down by Chicago. So it looks like that's where they're going. The new guardians are also watching and, you know, they wonder what to do. But robot's like, you know, we have to follow Cecil's orders and you say here, robot Ru Ru Rudy, whatever. It's like, you know, we have to stay here. And then Eve shows up and, you know, they're like, what's going on type of thing. So the fight's still going on. Uh, Cecil, some jets, a couple jets are on their way to intercept them or whatever. Omni-Man flies around. He's like just punching Mark, you know, left and right. Then he sees the planes coming and he's like, Cecil's wasting more time. So they shoot a bunch of missiles, like a bunch of little missiles, hit, direct hit, hit him, big explosion. He's fine. There's just like some flames like trickling off his costume, whatever. So then he flies up, smashes the plane, and uh, the, the pilot tries. He's stuck in his seat. The, the parachute won't go off with her. So Mark catches him, barely saves him, whatever. And then, you know, they're on the ground. The guy thanks him. And, and then Omni-Man lands behind him. And Mark's like, you almost killed him. And Omni's like, and you saved him. He's like, so much effort for what? And he just grabs the pilot by his head and he's like, <laughs> just like smashes just, like, blood on Mark's face. 
And then he's like, where's that other pilot? So he goes after Mark flies after Omni-Man. He's like, you killed him. And he's like, if he died now or 50 years, he's like, what's the difference? So then he punches Mark, sends him flying into Chicago. It goes through a building. He goes like skidding across the street of like traffic, like cars, like flying up or anything, like just wrecking all the road. And then uh, Mark sees like the path of destruction. There's like dead bodies, blood, people screaming. The building that he smashed into starts like the tip over, like collapse, like from where he smashed. So he goes up there. He's like trying to hold it up. And you can see there's like some people inside, you know, there's like, you know, a couple of people. So he like one falls out, he grabs her hand and there's another person and he's like, it's okay, whatever. And then the whole building like crumbles. And then Mark like lifts up the wreckage. He's still holding onto the hand, but then it's just like a severed arm now. And then Omni-Man comes and he's like, how could you do this? And Omni-Man's like, it's your fault. He's like, your stubbornness caused this. And then Mark asks, he's like, is mom's life worthless? And then he's like, Omni-Man's like, in the grand scheme of things, yes. And Debbie like hears this and she's just like, oh, you know, she's crying or whatever. Then Mark starts punching whatever, but then Omni-Man stops it. He sends him like, he punches him underground. Like there's like, this, I guess it's, a, there's a subway in Chicago. There's an L. But anyways, so he's, grabs him he grabs mark holds him there like in front of the track he just holds mark the train comes and they're just like crumbling their way through it smashing through bodies there's like blood and you know just smashing people up and everything like that and mark's just like uh you know he's got tears and omni man's like you know these people are meaningless so the fight continues and now omni man is, is just kind of like playing with them it's like he you know boom boom and just hit after hit and stuff like that Omni-Man's like, he's like, you know, you're a Vultramite in name only. He's like, your true education begins now. So the the Guardians are watching, and Samson finally, he's like, gear up. You know, and, but it's like they can't stop them, but they can help save lives. So it's a brutal beating, just continues. There's more death, more destruction everywhere. Mark's just a bloody mess. He's covered with blood. Omni-Man just keeps going. And, you know, Mark's starting to get his face is just like starting to swell. He's just like pulverizing, you know, just for all the hits he's taking. And Mark's like, I was like, I won't let you do this. And Omni-Man yells. He's like, do you want to die for this planet? He's like, fine. He's like, what's another 17 years? He's like, I can start over. I can make another kid. Punch, punch, punch. Blood, blood, blood. Teeth flying. It's like that. And then there's like a flashback to young Mark playing baseball. And Nolan's like just standing there. He, you know, Debbie's like, come on, let's go sit down in the stands. But he's just sitting there. He's like, this is a waste of time. And, you know, as they're talking, Mark, strike one, you know, and then you know what, or strike two. And Nolan's like, what what are we doing? Whatever. And then hit, run, run, run. And then Nolan's like, go, go. He starts getting into it, like getting excited and everything like that. He's like smiling and cheering. And then, you know, he, he, the ball goes back safe. You know, he makes it, scores a home run, picks him up. He's happy and everything like that. So then we see in the present, uh, Mark's a, just a bloody and bruised mess. Omni-Man, just, he stops hitting him. He's like, damn it. So then he just like falls, he like lays down next to Mark. Mark's like barely breathing. And he's like, why'd you make me do this? And he's like, you're fighting so you can watch everyone around you die. And he's like, everything and, and everyone will be gone. He's like, what will you have after 500 years? And Mark's like, you, dad. He's like, I'll still have you, dad. And then Omni-Man just, he just stares at his bloody hands. And then you hear, Dad? And then Omni-Man just like grumbles and flies out, goes out into space. So helicopter medics come for Mark. Cecil and Debbie are there. And we see like William, Mark's friends, like watching the news of Omni-Man versus Invincible. Devastation, destruction. The Mahler twins like burn their lab. There's like soldiers waiting for them outside. You know, Cecil's soldiers, they uncloak themselves. 
uh, they just put up their hands. The news wonders, like, you know, how can we go on with, you know, all this stuff like that? And, the, you know, the loss of lives, you know, it's, it's inconceivable or incalculable or whatever. There's no signs of Omni-Man since yesterday. The Guardians are trying to save people in destruction. So you just see all this stuff going on. Then we see Mark's in a hospital, you know, probably like the, the private special secret hospital. He's bruised. His, cup, his legs are broken, you know, in cast. He's got a cast on his, his arm. And, you know, his mom's there and, and she's like, you're safe now. And she's like, you know, I'm so proud of you. And then Mark just kind of like cries and like, tur- you know, turns his head, whatever. So she like, she's like, I'll leave, get, you know, give you some time. So she goes out in the hall, kind of tries to get her own composure. Cecil comes up to him. He's like, you know, to, to preserve Mark's secret identity, Nolan officially died when the house across the street exploded from a gas leak. You know, the house that, that Omni-Man blew up. And, you know, he didn't see so like his travel books sold well and there's always a significant spike after death. So they'll be fine for money, you know, for for a bit. And Cecil's like kicking himself because, you know, Nolan was doing things right under his nose and he never saw it. So, you know, he, he wants to try to make things as right as possible. So, you know, he wants to, you know, do good by them. At Guardian's headquarters, you know, they're exhausted from all, you know, all the stuff that they've been doing. Rex looks at the blood from Omni-Man's fight against the other the original Guardians, you know, still on the wall. He goes over and starts washing it off. Black Simpson's like, we haven't earned it yet. And Rex is like, F you or whatever. And he starts doing it. And then Samson grabs, he's like, I said, we're you have to leave it or whatever. Then you hear, you know, the rest of the team, they're like ready to fight him. And Samson's like, now we're starting to look like a team. So then they all, including Samson, they all start cleaning the, the blood because it's like, okay, now they're ready. At the high school, see Amber's just like walking the hall, you know, thinking about, she walks, she walks right past William, doesn't say anything, whatever. And then later she's working at the shelter, you know, helping out, whatever. Mark's still in the hospital. Guardians are training together, which is weird because like uh, Monster Girl's still training. It's like every time she changes, you know, she's getting younger or whatever. We see Art, the, the costume dude, he's just like making a costume, looks at a picture of him and Nolan from like a fishing trip and like throws it away. William goes to Mark's. There's like a bunch of mail and packages outside or whatever, and he just like tidies it up. As he turns around, Eve shows up too, and, you know, she's asked if he's heard from Mark, and he kind of lets it slip out about, you know, that he fought his dad and that he knows about inv- that he's invincible. And he's like, oh, and then he's like relieved when he finds out that she knows too. Cecil checks in on Mark in his room. So he's looking better now. His face is like healed. He's not all bruised up. And, you know, he tells him he'll be out in a day or two. And Mark asks about his dad flying away. You know, where did he go? Cecil's like, we'll talk later. But, uh, you know, Mark wants to know whatever. And so Cecil basically, he needs to know, does he still want to be a hero? And Mark's like, I don't know, whatever. And Mark, he tells Mark that his mom heard everything. And he's like, what? How could you let her hear all that? And he's like, you know, it's better that she knew the truth. So they 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 end up walking into this like white room. And then Mark's like, wait, where are we? Because there's like absolutely nothing. It's just pure white or something like that. Then he's like, he calls out, he's like, lights. And then you see there's like a lab in there. There's like all these like people working in there. There's like alien body parts or just like all this stuff. And immortals bodies there is like they're, they're trying to put them back together or something like that. And then Cecil's like lights, you know, whatever again. And then everything goes back to just pure white. So he, Cecil said that there's this, uh, there's a chemical in tap water that prevents people from seeing certain frequencies of lights and uh, light <laughs> and not lights. And those, those uh, frequencies are, are used in that room. So uh, basically it's like invisible to people or whatever. And he's like, you know, we, we use it quite a bit or something like that. So he said that they monitored his father until he left the solar system. He didn't change his trajectory, so he's probably pretty far away. 
And then he's like, you know, they'll, we're going to need a replacement. Mark's like, no. He's like, not now, not yet. But Cecil's like, I, you know, I need something or whatever. So they go home. Cecil tells them that they fix up the place. Mark thinks back to, like, his time with his dad is invincible and, like, the stuff that his dad did. And, you know, he's like, I want to do what you do. I want to be just like you. You know, he's his mom goes upstairs to lie down or whatever. So, you know, Mark's looking at a picture. He just, like, turns it face down. And then he goes up there. He's like, Mom, I'm going to, you know, he looks in the fridge. There's nothing here. He's like, I'm going to order for some food for dinner. He's like, do you want a pizza or what? And he looks. She's sitting on her bed, and she's just, like, sobbing. So he just, like, he just kind of backs up. Doorbell rings, and it's Amber. And she hugs him and then kisses him. He's like, oh, are we doing this again? And she's like, if, if it's okay with you. So I guess they're getting back together. And then the doorbell rings again. It's, it's William and Eve. So then he's like, let's go out. Because, you know, he doesn't want to sit there with his mom, you know, upstairs crying. We see Art drinking at his place. And then Debbie shows up because, you know, he's like, we're closed. And he's like, how'd you get in here? And he sees it's her. So she's like, you know, she spent so much time thinking about you know, if Nolan killed the Guardians, she never thought about what would happen afterwards, like with her and Mark. We see uh, Mark and them, they're at, at the burger place where he used to work. Um, they're just kind of talking, you know, trying to avoid the subject or whatever. He's like, can we talk about something else type of thing? Cecil calls him. He's like, I need you now. She's like, hurry. So someone apparently is flying towards Earth. And, you know, he's like, I, I don't want to do this or whatever. So, so Mark flies off. That Eve's like, well, you know, just so you know, it's like, I'm Adam Eve. And, and one's like, oh, yeah, I totally see it now, whatever. And they, they kind of say something like, yeah, so you can make copies of yourself. She's like, no, that's duplicate. It's like, I'm, I'm Adam Eve. They're like, oh, which, whatever. So Mark goes out in the space. He's like ready to, you know, punch whatever's coming. It's Alan the alien. So he says that he told a coalition of planets that he'd be going to Earth or he's been going to Earth instead of Urath. And they, like, lost their minds. So Earth is apparently off limits. He's like, there's a Voltramite on the planet. And Mark's like, oh. <laughs> you know, he already knew that. So he tells him the story whatever. And uh, then, you know, Alan's like, you know, wait, no one's ever heard of a Voltramite abandoning their, their post. And he tells Mark, he's like, you know, once they find out that your father left, the Voltramites are going to come for you. So then, you know, we kind of get this, like, montage thing. We see, like, a bunch of threats. Like, so I'm assuming this is, like, stuff that's going to be coming up in the next season. And we see, like, you know, Cecil has a army of cyborgs. We see, um, oh, what's the stone dude? Um, him, you know, he, he's got his power. Um, basically, like, all, all the stuff that's going on. And then uh, Alan's like, you know, so what's next for you or something like that? And Mark's like, oh, I'll probably finish high school, I guess. And Alan's like, oh, what's high school? And then it ends. So that was here. That's uh, I guess that wasn't as long as I thought. I, th I thought it was going to be like a really long summary. So it was a good episode. I mean, and I just imagine people who haven't read the comic. I mean, they're probably just like, whoa, you know, just I, I imagine just the amazement or the awe because, I mean, it's, it's such a good story and everything and just just the way it's told. And, you know, it is it is a superhero story, but it's kind of not like a no holds barred or un whatever, but it, it's, you know, with just more violence and more just, you know, twists and turns. It's not your typical thing. And that's what makes it good. And that's why, you know, Kirkman is, is, a, is such a good writer. Just, you know. It's not as as polished and neat as you know Marvel and DC stories are because you know there's there's more of an edge and you know that's what what keeps it separated. So and not that there's anything wrong with you know a polished and neat you know Spider-Man story because you know you can still get a little dark at times and stuff like that. But it, it's it's good stuff and um, even for me you know so I have read the comics but it's it feels like it's been so long you know and I know it hasn't been that long 
and I, I've forgotten, you know, little bits here and there. I guess maybe I just read so much that I push some of the information out, you know, brain overload. I don't know, lame excuse. But it's it's kind of neat that I, I've, I've forgot a, a bunch, or not a bunch of stuff, but I've forgotten some stuff. Like what happens next at this point in the comic, I I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. I, I, maybe it's this or maybe it's this. But then once I see it, I'll be like, oh, yeah. So, and you know there there are some little tiny you know differences which is kind of nice and everything. So, so it's been a great first season. I'm really digging the show and I can't wait for more. I just I wonder how long it's it's going to take. You know, is it going to be next year? Oh man, hopefully it won't be more than that. But it, it's been good. Okay, let's talk the Nevers season one episode three ignition. So th- I like this episode. I I think. I'm now getting into the show, and uh, there's some interesting things. There's some some good action. There's there's a there's a cool fight scene. If you want to, I guess you can call it a fight scene. But so we'll get to it. So it starts off where the the fire lady, which her name is a uh, bonfire Annie. I I was like I don't know what her name is. I'm horrible with names, as as you probably are aware. There's just like this uh horse and carriage and she starts attacking and she's like tell the beggar king that he's done on these docks they belong to bonfire annie now and then prudence and amalia show up and prudence has this like foam shooter gun thing that like glops and binds her hands so she can't shoot and and she's she's kind of like almost like disgusted by it just this like sludge on her hands and then uh she shoots her again and like she kind of gets so they they decide to um they agree to parlay and the reason they're there is because Amalia saw her there. I guess they, they knew it or she knew that she'd be there. And she's like, well, I don't know where Malady is and everything. And then Amalia, she's like, well, uh, you know, I'm actually here to ask you to join us at the orphanage. And, you know, they're, they're talking like that. And, you know, she's like, you know, even though, you know, you tried to kill my best friend, you also saved my life. And I think she, Annie's like, well, you know, that wasn't intentional or, or something like that. And Annie uh, then she asks uh, if they plan on using Mary Song to call on the touched and take over to Parliament or whatever. And Amalia's like, oh, nothing that big or small. And she's like, well, you know, that's why I quit Malady because I was sick of the riddles. And then Amalia says something like that they're dying, which I didn't quite get that. And she also tells maybe that they're getting killed, not that they're dying. And she also tells Annie that, you know, she has enemies that, you know, she doesn't even know about. And so it turns out that what she attacked was a cart full of opium. And because uh, Prudence goes like to put out someone to fire or whatever. And then she comes back and she's like high from the opium or whatever. And then they, they uh, so Amalia goes at, you know, just to kind of like check on everything like that. And she kind of turns her back and, and Annie's gone. So she's just like took off. And then uh, later Amalia is talking to the doctor, doc, Dr. Kausen. So he's uh, one of the touched and you know he's checking her out after she got shot, and then you know she's talking. She's bummed that she wasn't able to recruit Annie. And I I, I don't know if Doc how far back they go, but then you know she also says something that she thinks she created Malady by you know t- turning her back on her or whatever. And and he's like, no, you know you're not responsible, whatever. Then uh, Mary's playing the piano, like the dinner hall, or whatever, and everyone's kind of like singing along. Everything, you know, it's very upbeat. They all stop when Amalia comes in, and she's like, "Oh, don't stop on my account, whatever." And then, you know, but they're they're just still kind of quiet and everything. So I, I don't know. 
that's just the way they look at her, you know, because she's so serious all the time. Prudence comes in, so apparently she had a vision during the night, and she has, like, she made some plans, and she has, like, a map of, of London. So she's looking at the center of the town. She wants to make this device that would basically, it's an amplifier that's going to make Mary's voice louder. And uh, so then she wants to call it the brightener. So it'll be heard for miles and it'll be able to call on all the touched people. Mary's trying to find her song again because she's like struggling to come up with it for some reason. She talks to Amalia uh, alone and she thinks that she's getting closer, but then she talks briefly about her trying to recruit Bonfire Annie. And so I, I think the idea is that how it'd be a little weird for her if she, if she just like, you know, turned around a corner in the hall and then there she is since, you know, she was involved with kidnapping her with Melody and everything like that. But so uh, I think Amalia said that she didn't tell her in case it didn't pan out. And uh, they go on about how Amalia always has secrets. And, and then Amalia says, you know, three years ago, she woke up knowing things that she shouldn't. And she was declared insane. So for a time, she thought she was. But now, instead of saying stuff, she keeps secrets. So this could be where her and Malady met each other, possibly. And she says, you know, she does other things. She drinks when she shouldn't. She fights, fights when she knows she doesn't have to. She sleeps with men whose name she doesn't know. She gets nervous in crowds. She sees things that aren't there. And when she first meets someone, she thinks about how to kill them. But then she's like, you know, well, I, I do have some good qualities too. She's like, uh, I generally like horses. <laughs> and, and Mary asks, what does she know that she shouldn't? And, you know, she doesn't really answer it. But then Mary says that, you know, she wants her to sing so more people will come there, but maybe she's struggling because she's not sure if they should. So, you know, she doesn't know if this is the best place or not. You know, she's kind of like, you know, on, on, the, on the fence. At the Ferryman Club, uh, Hugo's with a woman. He's apparently auditioning her or something like that. And Augie comes in. And so Hugo uh, said that he made August the sole proprietor of the business. So it's all like him or whatever. And I didn't really understand this whole whole point of it and he, and he's like you know you don't have to do anything you don't have to do auditions just you know stand around and look important and he's like just say no a lot so i, I didn't really understand the, the point of this and because like augustus is like he's like well my sister finds out or lavina or whatever lord mason he comes out of his house and i think he's talking with like the the head like lady servant or whatever and because they're installing like telephone cables there and and he's just like mad about something or he's just grumpy he drives by some graves and i looked like maybe his daughter is dead so we saw in a flashback when they were touching and his daughter like fainted so maybe she's dead and and uh, i don't know if his wife was dead. yeah i couldn't keep track of who was who and maybe maybe if i paused it looked at the dates or something like that so i don't, I don't know and then uh we see the the beggar king He's talking to some men about the bonfire Annie incident that they were running from a girl, whatever. He's like, you have guns. And he's like, when you wear my brand, it reflects on me. And one guy says that he ran back. You know, he doubled back, but Annie was gone. And he's like, the other ladies were there, which was Amalia and uh, uh, Prudence. And so he's... The Beggar King is kind of okay with that, but then he goes to one guy who makes some excuse or like that, and he because so, so basically the mark of him they it's like a brand or something like that, like a like a hot like a cattle brand it seems like. So he takes a knife and he just like slices the guy's skin off, kind of like his punishment, so he doesn't have his brand on him anywhere or whatever or his mark. Inspector Mundy finds an envelope on a desk and you know he's like, who put this here? Did anyone say that? No one knows. There's an address and it's like you know to meet at that place you know now. 
then uh, at uh, Lord Mundy or Lord uh, Mason, <laughs> there's a, a worker guy with a cable. He goes down to the basement and he sees there's like a, a cell at the end of the hallway and he hears like some banging or whatever. And there's this room at the end of the hallway with like a metal door and there's like the little slot on the bottom where you can slide food under there, you know, food tray. And then that, that lady, whatever servant, she comes up behind him and takes him elsewhere. So it's like, okay, there's something going on here under uh, Lord Mason. So I wonder if his daughter isn't dead, but maybe something happened and he's being locked up. I, I don't know. But there was someone else that was that we see. Okay. Uh, Prudence walks through town with Myrtle. Myrtle sees a flyer with the drawing of Amalia. So that's like the fake flyer that uh, Elizabetta, was that her name? That she went to the one address and then it was like kidnapped and then she they turned her into a zombie worker. So the inspector, he arrives at the address and it's like this little bar. So he just has the drinks and he's like waiting. Uh, this guy talks to Doc Cousins because I guess he wanted a carriage. I don't know who he wanted a carriage from. If it was a beggar, I don't remember. But then there's a, a sick lady inside. It's Malady, and because she got shot, so she's not. Well, I guess she's not sick, but she looks sick. So she got shot, and it almost seems like they know each other f from before. So he may, you know, there's like some recognition. So I don't know if it was when she was at the asylum or something like that. So he asked to see her wound and, you know, he, so she opens her shirt up, of course. And he says that there's still a bullet fragment inside. So he's going to have to dig it out before he can heal her. He's like, it's going to hurt. And she's like, promise. So then he takes like an alcohol swab or something like that, puts it on her and it does hurt. You know, she's like, ah, you know, so there's that uh, the inspector so he's sitting at the bar for a while you know you can see he had a few drinks he gets another note and the bartender apologizes she's like i'm sorry i was told to wait two hours so he opens it and it says this is what it feels like when you waste my time hs so it's hugo hugo swan and then there's this dude looking at him like in a, the back hallway and so monday follows him as i was like wait he was gonna marry mary and it's like, he's going to hook up with this dude or something like that. So he opens up this this room and Hugo's in there. So I don't know. Yeah, that was just kind of weird that he knew to follow him or whatever. So Hugo's back there and then, you know, he's just asking some, some questions and he wants to know what Mary's trick is. And, you know, he, he thinks that there there's more to it than just being a song that makes people happy. And Hugo says that, you know, he doesn't think Amalia True is really giving a touch people, you know, a, a safe haven or whatever. So back in the carriage, the doc's doing his healing now. And it almost looks like he he's like, it's like it's wearing him out because, you know, he's like really like tired or sweating or whatever. And, you know, he tells her there's still some infection on the surface and blah, 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 stuff like that. Then uh, we see this dude in the cell. So I, I wasn't sure if this was under Lord Mason's. Maybe I, I missed something. But he has like these little, almost like plugs on his arms and, and there's like some white liquid that's like, dripping out of it and then this other guy is brought in and he's told to leave with the guard so it almost looked like they they kind of look similar so i don't know if they're putting someone in like to take his place and then moving him out somewhere prudence uh shows a flyer to malia so prudence goes with this lady uh lucy they go to the address knocks on the door and then uh you see from the inside the doorknob vibrates and then just you know bust the door busts open so the lady is like, who are you? Whatever. And Amalia just like punches her, like knocks her out, whatever. So then a shock trooper comes af after her and Amalia pulls off the, the mask and we see it's like 
electric like Frankenstein face. You know, it's like there's like stuff circuitry or whatever inside his mouth. It seems like, and then the, the other lady like zaps it with a, an electric umbrella and everything, and it's like it's out. So they look at a desk and stuff like, and they they see like all these records, so, like apparently you know people who were touched, and you know she wants to know like what they're up to there. So, uh, Mundy inspector visits Mary, you know, she's a little nervous about malady still being out there and stuff like that. Lord Mason meets with the others. He says, you know, there's new players are in motion and they're just talking on about, you know, all their stuff. Amalia, uh, shows Lavina the records that she found. So now obviously Lavina is involved with this. I mean, she must be, if she's working with, uh, that other doctor, mad doctor guy, then Lavina asks about Mary, you know, if she's been singing, and Amalia is like, you know, she's been struggling, whatever. So they're gonna do a test in the park. So then uh, you see this like low voice guys like talking to the lady that was at the the fake house to, with the flyer, like and demands to know like what she told him and stuff like that. But it turns out she's really at the orphanage, so I don't know if they're tr like trying to trick her. That one lady, the the horror lady that gets people to talk. Um, She's, you know, so she starts talking. And she's you know, apparently she hasn't seen the face of who she's working for and all. So she doesn't, she doesn't really have any information for them. Amalia uh, looks at the book with all the girls. So she's in a carriage, uh, and I think uh, pretty sure Elizabeth was in there. Was one of the pictures. But then the carriage gets bumped or something like that, and the door opens. She gets knocked out, and she's like on this little bridge. So she like falls in the water. And it's not. It's just like a. I don't know if it's it's a river. It's not that deep, but you know she she's in there, and then you see the, the big dude with like a chain around you know wrapped around him. He comes after her. He goes starts going into the water, but turns out he can walk on the water. So Amalia goes you know she dives down under. She's like trying to swim to get away from him, but he's just like walking above her, like looking at her, and you know she comes up for air, and he just like kind of kicks her in the head or like stomps on her head. And when she takes a second breath, he grabs her and like punches her. And then, then he grabs her again by the throat and he's like lifting her up. So she grabs his arm with like her legs and does like one of those like, whoosh, 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 like where, you know, you flip around or anything like that. She kind of bends his arm. I, I don't think she broke it or anything, but it, you know, must have hurt or something like that because he, he like just like throws her or whatever. And then he, loosens his big chain and there's like a hook at the end. So he starts taking overhead and just like whoosh. She's like whipping it into water, like so it's like trying to smack her with it. And of course she takes off her skirt and then it kind of floats up. So I think it was I guess it was to distract him. You know, he thinks that that's there. So he you know tries hitting the skirt with with the chain. But then she grabs the chain and when he pulls you know, she comes up, so she wraps it around his throat. So she does this thing, like, as she comes up, she goes, like, flying up and, like, onto his back and, like, wraps it around him, like, pulls him back, like, leans back to get him to fall back. But he's still, like, so now he's kind of, like, laying on the surface of water. And she's underwater. It was a really cool scene. And after, they, they kind of showed the, the how they filmed it, like, with the stunt work and everything like that. So she's underwater, has, like, her feet on his back, and she's just, like, pulling the chain, like, trying to, like, choke him. And then, you know, he, after a while, he's like, you know, he's trying to get it and then he stopped struggling. So I guess he just passed out. You know, I don't think she killed him, uh, but it was, it was just really cool because, you know, they, they show her, you know, they allowed her to do a lot of the stunts and, you know, she practiced underwater with like an air tank and stuff like that. And then they got like her stunt woman 
kind of goes through and you know goes through the motions like the act so they can kind of see what it's like and they allowed her to do a lot of it too and everything so it was really cool and she she was like you know ecstatic to be able to like do as much as they let her do and everything like that so it was, it was really cool to see that um so then uh, after this uh struggle this fight she arrives at the park and she's on a horse. Um, Prudence asks her, she's like, is it that you just hate dresses? Because, you know, she's not wearing her dress. I mean, she's got her undergarments or whatever, her, like her shift or whatever you, you call it. Uh, so then eventually Mary starts singing. The light starts streaming from her throat. And it goes into the machine amplifier. And it just starts, starts spreading. Everyone's kind of mesmerized and stuff like that. But then, this was unexpected, she gets like shot in the chest. And then she gets shot again. And then a bunch of times. So it's a guy with like the Gatling gun on his hand. He's like uh, like in the bushes and he's just like shooting. Mundy's there and he like starts going after him, like shooting at him. He gets shot, but he finally shoots him like in the eye, like in the head. And he's like, Poosh. and then Amalia is like holding Mary and, and then because she's dead. I don't know how well the doctor's healing power works, but it kind of felt like he's not going to be able to heal her. I mean, he wasn't there. I mean, it's, yeah, crazy. So the question is, were they betrayed? You know, because she mentioned to Lavina they were going to do a test in the park. So, you know, but then the the Gatling gun guy was working with Malady. So how did would Malady know that they were there? So I guess these are some questions. They return to the orphanage, and then Bonfire Annie's there. And she holds up, she has like a flame in her hand and she holds it up and we see there's a, a lot of other people behind her, maybe like 30 or so. So they mu must have all heard the song and Bonfire Andy probably, she must have had a change of heart and she decided to, to join them. So at least there's that. I mean, that's kind of good because they could use her her muscle, her ability to, you know, against the, the bad guys. So it was it was a good episode. I, I, I like that. Um, it's, I it's too bad about Mary, but I guess, you know, you want to have these shock twists or whatever, unexpected things. But yeah, cause I wasn't expecting that. So, and it's too bad. Cause not, you know, now they can't use that ability again to call more, but maybe that's the point. Cause you know, you don't want to have too many people. I don't know. So that was good. I, I, I enjoyed that. Okay. Then mayor of East town season one, episode two fathers, this this episode cranked things up, you know. So I I liked the first episode, and I was just like, ah, you know, I don't know if I want to talk about it on podcast, blah blah blah, all that stuff like that. But watching the second, I was like, whoa! I mean, talk about cranking things up. So Mare shows up at the scene in the woods because uh, you know the that girl Erin was her body was she was she was dead. So she goes down by the body. And, you know, she's told that it's Aaron and, you know, obviously, you know, it's a small town, so she knows who, who Aaron is. And a jogger came across the body. So she's only wearing her underwear. Marin notes, you know, that she's been there for a while, just like the touch of her skin or whatever. And the, the chief asked her, like, how close does he think that the SOB that did it was? And she's like, you know, probably like face to face. He says that the chief says that he called a county supervisor and they're sending one of their detectives to assist her. So this guy, Colin Zabel, and uh, he solved uh, this missing 10-year-old girl case from before. And so then, she, you know, she's not too happy about that, but she tells, you know, everyone to put on gloves, start doing a grid search, you know, see if they can find anything around her and so forth. Mary calls her friend, Lori, uh, just like her best friend. And she tells her to, you know, she's like, is John there, her husband? She's like, okay, you need to wake him up because, you know, he was out partying with Frank, you know, for his engagement party the night before. And 
she's like, I'm on my way. You know, she tells her that uh, Aaron's dead. So, you know, she's on, on her way to Aaron's dad, Kenny. And she's like, you know, I, I figured it'd be good to have um, John there since he's his cousin or something like that, I guess. So uh, there's this other guy, John and Bill. So they must all be related. They, they meet Mare outside of Kenny's. And she's like, okay, let's get this, just do this. So they go knock on a door. He's like passed out on a recliner. So he answers the door and he sees, you know, John and Bill there. He's like, hey, you know, whatever. She asks if they can come in. So they, they go in the living room and, and he's like, you know, what's this about? And he's like, you know, what's, what's going on? And then, you know, so Mayor's there, his cousins are there. And then he figures it out. He's like, is it Aaron? And she tells him that, you know, she was found at, at the creek and then he's he just starts losing it, and he's like yelling at his cousin. He's like, "Don't don't touch me!" He's like, "Leave me!" Because you know they're trying to comfort him. And then he like shoves one or whatever, and he starts screaming. He's like, "It's my daughter!" and everything. So he's just like upset, and he thinks it was Dylan, uh, Aaron's ex, the the father of of the baby. And so Mara, you know, she goes in Aaron's room, and you know she looks around. Then she tries asking Kenny some questions about you know so they can find out who did this and he's like you know he's like you're wasting your time he's like there's only one person who could have done it it's like dylan he's like the father and he said that the last time he saw her last night was when she asked to borrow a truck you know she went out on her bike and you know he doesn't know where she was going she left at like 7 seven thirty. you know she asked more more questions like uh and he's like you know you're wasting your time whatever and he's like that kid never wanted her to have the baby he's like he hated her for it and then she asked him she's like you know where were you last night and she's like or she's like you know were you here last night home and he's like oh i think night so you know he says that he was home because of course you know she's got to ask you know to whatever Sioban, uh mara's daughter and and uh mara's mom they go meet with some girl named carrie so apparently she's drew's mom so drew is mara's grandkid so is her dead son's son that's living with them and then Carrie, you know, because first she she thanks them for for bringing him, so you know she could see him. And then she says that you know she wants custody, she wants full custody. And Siobhan's like, she's like, my mom's gonna fight you. And Carrie's like, yeah. She's like, but but I'm Drew's mom, so you know she wants to get custody of him. Uh, Mayor talks to Dylan, uh, Aaron's ex, and he says that. You know, he saw her when he picked up the kid and then in the woods. He's like, it was like 10 or 10.30. And she's like, well, which was it, 10 or 10.30? And, you know, he, he says that, you know, she came on her own. And Mayor asked if he talked to her. And he, he's like, well, you know, things aren't, aren't really good between us. And he's like, you know, we were arguing about things for, for DJ, for, for the kid. And he's, his phone buzzes and he looks, it's, it's Brianna. Then uh, Mara sees it because I think she calls a, or maybe it was the first time she saw it. So, you know, Mara asks, she's like, Oh, is Brianna your new girlfriend? He's like, I don't have a new girlfriend. So the mayor asks, What time did he leave the woods? He says he got home at midnight. And she's like, I didn't ask you what time you got home. I asked you what time you left the woods. He's like, Well, you know, if I got home at midnight, then, you know, it must have been at like 11.45. And he's like, You could ask my mom. And she's like, Why would I ask your mom? So she asks if he had anything to do with Aaron's death. And he's like, No. And he gets loud, he's like kind of, you know, defensive. And she's like, you know, I just want to help you, you know. But he's like, you said I didn't have to say it. I could just leave if I want, right? And she's like, well, if you leave, then, you know, the second you walk out, I can't help you anymore. She's like, then I'm going to have to, you know, start digging. And if I find out that you're lying about anything, you know, it's not going to be good. So then he just gets up and leaves. 
So she has a news conference or like, you know, just talks to reporters, whatever about Aaron, but, you know, stuff like that. There's some parents there. They, they start uh, asking her or no, she she tells the, the, the she's like the parents, if, if your kids were in the woods, you know, you know them, you know, ask them if they you know saw anything or anything like that. One of the reporters asks if it's related to the other missing girl, Katie. So her friend Don's kid, because you know it's been a year, and she's like, you know, she's like, why don't we we still don't know what happened and stuff like that? And they just start like chanting and stuff like that. So Mary just like goes inside. In her office is Detective Colin Zabel, and he's young. He's played by Evan Peters, and you know he said that he asked the secretary to see Katie's file. He's like, I hope that's okay. She's like, Why wouldn't it be okay? And he's like, well, you know, I just want to know, like, what, what's your routine? How do you start off? And she's like, well, I usually start off with a 10-minute smoke break. And she just, like, w- like kind of brushes him off and goes outside because she just doesn't want to deal with him. Um, the, the father at the church gives a sermon, whatever. And then Dan, the deacon, I think he's a deacon, right? He's Mare's cousin. He asks, he's, you know, if he knew Aaron or whatever, and he's like, well, she was in the youth program, but I didn't know her very well. You know, she stopped coming, you know, after she got pregnant or something like that. This, uh, says mayor comes in from her smoke break. An officer tells her that there's, uh, there was a video from last night. So they go in the office and, you know, Zabel's there and, you know, they're watching it. They see Brianna and, you know, where she punches, uh, Aaron and stuff like that. And they're like, who's that? There's this other girl. And cause it's, it's Siobhan. So she's just like, that's my daughter or whatever. And then she she tells one of the officers, she's like, to get a warrant for Brianna. And then in her car, uh, she she tries calling Siobhan and just gets an answer machine. She's about to leave, but then Zabel like knocks on the window. He's like, are we carpooling? He's like, you know, I can drive myself, but I need to get a dress and everything. So she reluctantly like unlocks the door, lets him in. And and as soon as he gets in, she like backs up like like very like suddenly or something like that you know he doesn't have his seatbelt on so he's just kind of like his body hold jerks whatever so they go to a restaurant where brianna is a waitress it's actually i guess it's her family's restaurant and you know so they ask if you know she asks if she can talk to brianna or whatever and then as they're waiting like in the, the front part what you know he asks he's like are these people friends of yours and she's like yeah he's like uh you know shouldn't we like take this outside where everyone isn't watching and Mara's like, Brianna beat the crap out of Aaron in a forest full of kids. She's like, let him watch. So Brianna comes out. You know, she has a couple of drinks for a table or whatever. As Mara goes up to her and cuffs her and says she's under arrest for assault and everything like that. Brianna's dad comes out. He's upset. He's like, what's going on? So what's this about? He's like, that's my daughter. And and Zabel, he's like, you need to calm down. He's like, I don't even know who you are. He's like, and stuff like that. So they, they take her to the station. And then she's right away. She's like, I want a lawyer. And, you know, Mara starts talking. She's like, you know, I saw the video and, and, you know, she, when she mentions it and she's like, you know, Aaron might be concussed from when you kicked her in the head when she was on the ground. And she's like, if that's the case, you know, if the medical report says that, then it's aggravated assault. And she's like, that could be a felony for of first degree. And she's like, lawyer. And, and Mara continues. She's like, you know, you could be spending two to 10 years in jail. And she keeps saying stuff like that. And, Brianna's just like, I want my lawyer or whatever. And she's and she calls her a bitch, you know, as they're gonna about to take her out of there. And she's like, you know, it's no wonder your son killed himself. And this kind of catches a uh, mayor off guard. So then, you know, she goes to leave. She goes out in the lobby and the secretary's like, There's flowers there. So go, these came for you. So she looks, there's a, it's a note from Richard, uh, Guy Pierce, who she hooked up with last episode. So she calls him, you know, she thanks him for the flowers, but she's like, you know, something's come up at work and everything. He cuts her off. He's like, there's this 
celebration thing or whatever is a little thing for for him and he's wondering if she'd like to go with him and you know she's like you know it's it's not a good time or whatever and he's like you know yeah i saw the news about the girl whatever but then you know she does consider going she's like okay what time is is this thing at so she goes home asks her mom if Siobhan is there and because she can't get a hold of her you know she keeps trying to call her and it just goes a voicemail Mare asks her how did it go with Carrie and she's like did she say anything about custody and her mom's like no so she basically lied to her Mare um, then goes over to Frank's her her ex and the fiance answers and then she's like oh do you want to come in she's like no I'll wait out here so she talks to to Frank about Drew their their grandson and she, you know because he's doing the eye eye blinking thing again whatever and Frank's talking about this new pediatrician you know he's the, he can go you know she can go talk to him in the morning or something like that they talk about Aaron a little bit and he's, he's like yeah I had her in algebra a couple years ago she's like I had a feeling that you know things weren't great at home and she's like why do you say that did she say something and she he's like no he's like it's it's just I just sensed that that was a the case so Mayor's working in her room. Siobhan finally comes home and Mayor asks her, she's like, where were you last night? And she's like, when were you going to tell me that you were in the woods? And she mentions a video that she, you know, she saw her, you know, she's like, my own daughter was one of the last people to see Aaron alive and I didn't even know about it. And, you know, she's like, you know, how does that make me look or whatever? And, you know, she's like, what happened after you talked to her? And she's like, I asked her if she was okay, if she needed to ride home. And, you know, she didn't say anything. She just walked off and she wasn't with anyone. So then in the morning, Mayor goes to talk to the pediatrician for Drew. And you know, the pediatrician says that, you know, most boys grow out of the eye blinking thing, whatever. So then Mara finally says, you know, my son, Drew's father, took his own life. And they're worried about genes being passed down because, you know, he started having tics and stuff like that. He was first he was diagnosed with Tourette's and then pervasive developmental disorder. Then they were like on an autism spectrum at one time. There's like mood disorder. And, you know, I guess she was kind of like against medication because maybe they just kept coming up with different things they didn't, they didn't know what was going on so they, they kind of like fought over it and stuff like that and then she's saying how it just it became overwhelming you know not being able to figure it out so the doc suggests well you know we could probably have juicy a neurologist you know just to rule things out you know she's like you know there's probably nothing to worry about whatever but then she suggests that maybe Merritt talk to someone just to you know because obviously she's carrying some guilt you know she feels like Maybe if he was on medic, I'm assuming, you know, maybe if he was on medication or something, you know, if they were able to figure it out, then they could have stopped him from killing himself or whatever. But Mary's like, no, she's like, no, no, you know, she's like, never, you know, she just doesn't want to talk to, you know, a psychiatrist or anyone, you know, counselor. So then uh, Zabble's in her office and uh, he wants to restart things. You know, he's like, you know, it's, it's your case. He's like, I'm here to help you. And you know, so they like start over or whatever. So they start interviewing for kids for, you know, he wants to shake her hand. He, she's like, really, we're doing this? He's like, yeah, come on. He's like, I'm Caleb's, he's Abel, whatever. So they start interviewing a bunch of kids from the woods. They're like, you know, what was going on? And one's like, it was catfishing because Brianna was posing as this guy that, that Aaron was texting, whatever. Um, they ask like the same questions and, you know, it just keeps cutting, you know, do they think Brianna did it? And they're basically like, no, whatever, you know, because Brianna was all all bark, no bite, whatever. And they ask him, did you hear a gunshot? So I don't know if the wound, I didn't take it. I thought she was hit by a rock or something. It was like, it doesn't look like a, it looks more like a gash than like a bullet. Maybe the gun grazed her. I don't know. But no one heard a, a gunshot or anything like that. And like one of the people they interviewed was Aaron's best friend. 
and you know she's like upset and everything like that. Zabel uh, interviews Siobhan separately because so there's no conflict or anything like that. And you know then she w- wonders that it, maybe if she would have pushed Aaron harder about going home with her, that you know she'd still be alive or something like that. And he's like, you know, it's not your fault. You know, you shouldn't think that. And then, you know, she's like, well, what's it like working with my mom or something like that? And he's like, oh, it's, it's, it's interesting. He's like, do you have any, any tips or anything? So Zabel and Mare talk about the kids after. So uh, it was 2.37 in the morning. That was the last ping from her cell phone or something, emergency ping or something like that. And it was 13 miles east from where the body was found. And then the, the phone was either destroyed or the battery died. So they don't know what happened between, you know, to where she, when where the ping went off and where her body was found. So then Mary has to go. She goes home. And she gets dressed up to meet Richard. And, and she actually, like, puts on makeup and stuff. You know, as she's about to leave, you know, Brianna's father shows up. And he's, like, getting his, in her face. And she's like, I got to go. She's like, but he's, like, he's upset because his daughter's, in, you know, in, locked up at this police station whatever. So she's just, like, you know, finally pulls out of there. She goes to reception. She sees Richard, and he's, like, talking to a couple women. And, you know, he, like, sees her, but, you know, she's across the room. So she's just kind of waiting and stuff like that. She goes to sit on a couch, and, and you know, she has a, a, a drink. I think she had a drink. And it was, like, one thing that was weird is, like, as she's sitting there waiting, you know, a uh, food server, you know, comes with, a like, a appetizer thing. So she takes it, takes a bite into it, and then she's, like, it's not good, whatever it was. So she's going to spit on a napkin, but, you know, she has to wait till like, there's no one around. It's like, someone walks by. So then she spits it in a napkin, and she balls it up. And then she puts it, like, on a, next to her on a couch. And then she shoves it in between, like, the, the cushion, <laughs> which is, like, you could have just threw it in the garbage or whatever. So she's, she's waiting for some more. And finally, she's just she's going to leave. So she goes out, gets her car, and then he comes out after her. And she's like, well, you know, whatever, you can just go back to your fans. And he's like, no, no, I'm sorry. He's like, you know, why don't you just come back inside? So she she does go back in. She's like, but you're not getting late tonight. So uh, then Kenny, he sneaks out because one, so one of his cousins, I forget which one was with him, fell asleep in the living room. So Kenny leaves. Um, Dylan also at his house. So he, he decided he wants to leave. And the parents like, are you sure that's a good idea? He's like, I'm not arrested. I'm not in trouble or anything. He's like, but I'm not going to sit here. So he goes like to the gas station and he gets like an energy drink and some cigarettes. Uh, so Katie, the missing girl, Katie, her mom Dawn, she's you know at the register and she's just like kind of like staring at him. He's like, "Can you just you know ring me up or whatever?" And the soda he he goes back to his car, and then Kenny is in the back seat with a gun and he has like a flask. He's like, "Drive out to the turnpike." He's like, "I swear I didn't do it." And he's like, "Just just drive." So then as they leave, Mary, like, just misses them. So, she, you know, she doesn't even see this. And uh, as she's at the gas station, you know, because she, she has to pay first because it's, like, the eight, the, the swipe, card swiper thing is broken, so she has to go inside. And as she's about walking up there, she sees Brianna's dad's van. It's, like, a catering a restaurant van or whatever. It's there. So she goes in. Um, you know, she, uh, before she goes in, she sees Don's in there. She, so she's like, oh, you know, because she doesn't want to talk to Don because – you know, her daughter's missing and she keeps saying that the police aren't doing anything. So she goes in there, you know, says, you know, pays for the gas and then uh, goes to get like a drink or something like that from the, the cooler. And then Brianna's dad, I think his name is Tony. He comes in like, like right next to her, whatever. He's like, Oh, I'm just here to buy some milk or whatever. So then, you know, she goes to the, 
the register and he's like standing right behind her and you know just he's like getting in her, her on her case and everything like that and and he's really pushing about you know brianna being locked up and everything like that so then she finally says your daughter beat up a girl who ended up dead in an effing creek and she, you know so she says that loud because there's other people inside and he's just like you know looking she's like what part of that don't you understand and and you know he says something else and don like jumps in she's like you know why don't you just leave her alone and Mara's like she was kind of surprised at this because she's like you know even though they were teammates back in the day and they're you know friends before you know there's this whatever you know uh, uneasiness because of the her missing daughter so Mary's kind of surprised about this and and he tony's even he's like why are you defending her whatever and he starts going you know as as Mary goes to leave he starts like walking after her and then don like stands in front of him in front of the door he's like he's like what do you what do you think you're gonna do you know you're gonna stop me or something like that but then i i think he kind of realized you know there's other people inside so there's nothing that he could do so you know Mary gets 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 away. Um, then Aaron's friend dress Jess, <laughs> she's crying in a room. Her mom, you know, checks on her. So Jess is like, Aaron told me a secret, but made me promise never to tell anyone. So now, things are getting. I, I don't want to necessarily say juicy, but things are here. Here, you know, it's, it's starting up. So Mary comes home. And she has like a beer and a sandwich and she sees a letter from the court, you know, so she's about to open it. But then <laughs> a gallon of milk comes crashing through the window and like lands on a table. It's like open. So it's like it, it starts pouring like on a, on a table. She doesn't even like they didn't show it, but she didn't even like pick it up or anything like that. She just like leaves it because uh, she, she looks out the window and there goes like the, the restaurant van like peeling out. So it's just like. Okay, Siobhan walks out. She's like, are you okay, whatever? And she's like, that was an angry, scared father. But it's like, I would be ticked off. It's like, he's at least got to pay for the window or something. Then Siobhan says that uh, her dad, uh, Frank, uh, just got served. Carrie's suing for custody. So then Jess, the Aaron's best friend, and her mom go to Lori's. And, you know, they go inside and she asks if they, if they can talk. And if they can talk in private. Kenny has uh, Dylan pull over. And gets, you know, they get out of the Jeep and he's makes him walk. He's like, I didn't, you know, I, I didn't do anything or whatever like that. He's like, just walk. And he's like pointing a gun at him. So Kenny or Dylan starts walking and he starts running and Kenny shoots him and then shoots him a couple t- more times. And he just, so he shoots him like in the back and then he just like turns around to, and leaves. So then uh, Jess says that, you know, there's something that she has to tell Lori. Dylan isn't the baby's father. And Aaron wouldn't tell her who the real father was, but she thinks it's Frank Sheehan. So she thinks that the father is Mare's ex-husband, who was Aaron's teacher. But she doesn't know that for a fact, so that's going to be at a prom, and which is going to come up in the next episode, because that's the end of the episode. So it's like she doesn't know this for a fact, but she, she thinks this. Ah, oh, man. It's like you can't accuse someone if you don't know if there's... No- I mean, they could obviously do a DNA test or you know paternity test type thing, but man, and if he is involved, because uh, Frank is uh, Roy from The Office, and but you know he seems like you know he's he's just getting engaged now. Everyone likes him. You know he had the party, everything you know, and if he somehow got Aaron pregnant, that's not good. So uh, yeah, things are things are gonna get sticky. And yeah, so I, I'm I'm digging the show now. Uh, you know, I, I like the first episode, but this really like cranked things up. You know, so 
Check it out. HBO, HBO Max. All right. Cruel Summer, season one, episode three, off with a bang. So I'm, I'm digging at the show. This is, uh, if you listen last week, uh, the first two episodes dropped on Freeform. You can also watch them on Hulu the next day, which is where I do it. So I don't have to worry about commercials or anything like that. And it's uh, what fascinates me about the show is that it takes place over three years. It's like the same day, 1993, 1994, 1995. So like uh, this week's episodes, the events that are about to unfold take place on approximately July 4th, 1993, 1994, 1995. So we see the three different uh, years. And you, you kind of have to pay attention in the beginning just to see the, the differences. It, sometimes it's it's pretty obvious, but you have to be careful the first time they switch, like the, the first scene of each year, it tells you, you know, across the screen, this is like 1993, 1994, 19, but then you have to be careful when it switches throughout because sometimes it's, it shows you, there's like one moment in this week's episode where something happens and it jumps right to the next year. And I thought it was the same. I was like, wait, what's going on here? It was, it was a little confusing for a couple of seconds. And I was like, oh, it, it switched years. And, and mainly with the 1995, you know, everything has like a bluish tint. 94 was a little brighter uh 90 maybe 93 is a little brighter because 93 is a little more innocent so what is going on this the show stars olivia holt she's a it stars other people too but she's the only one that i know off the top of my head so olivia holt is kate wallace and in 19 sometime between 93 and 94 she disappeared no one knew what happened they thought you know did she run away or whatever and then we had uh, in 93, this girl, Jeanette Turner, she was kind of, you know, extreme nerdy girl, kind of fascinated, interested in, in Kate. And when Kate disappears, Jeanette kind of took over her life in, in a sense. You know, she wasn't wearing the glasses. She didn't have braces. And she ended up being with her, her boyfriend and everything like that. And had her, her friends, you know, took kind of took her best friends and everything like that. But then in 94, Kate comes back. We find out she was taken by the assistant principal at a high school or whatever. Supposedly, she was locked up there. There's a shootout. He's dead. But then to kick her is Kate is saying that Jeanette knew she was being held there at, at the assistant principal's place. Didn't say anything. So this came out on the news and everything. So now everyone kind of despises Jeanette for keeping this a secret, keeping Kate locked up, not saying anything, and just basically trying to steal her life. And then 95, things have gotten really bad, really dreary, but then to make things worse, Jeanette is counter or suing Kate for libel, for like saying that, you know, she's she's lying about what, what happened. And we don't know who to trust her, you know, because it doesn't seem like we can trust Jeanette, but maybe we can't trust Kate. So... That's that's basically what happened in the first two episodes. So here in 94, you know, Jeanette's mom sees her take her glasses off and she's like, oh, you know, when you get contacts and everything. So we're starting to build up the moment where she makes this transformation. 94, the news says that Kate has been interviewed by the police. You know, there's an investigation under, underway. Jeanette's mom's watching and she's concerned. Her brother, like, comes in and says like half the town already knows that she said stuff about Jeanette knowing where she was being held. And, you know, he says like, I've already been uninvited to two parties already. And she's like, Oh, they're just rumors and everything like that. But they're obviously concerned and everything like that. And Jeanette's just like laying on the couch, you know, 
didn't know she was there as they're talking about her and everything. And in 95, we see Jeanette's at a stoplight. Car pulls up in a, the lane next to hers, and it's Kate. And she, like, looks over. She's like, oh, crap. And she just, like, closes her eyes, like, don't see me, don't see me, don't look over. And then Kate looks over at her. And she's like, she gets up out of her car. She, you know, walks over. She's like, you. She's like, how dare you? She's like, get out of your car. And she's on a driver's side window, like banging a window. She's like, you stole my life because yours was pathetic. And she's like, but you seriously think you're going to come after my family's money with a lawsuit? She's like, get out of the car, you chicken poop coward. <laughs> and, and then uh, Jeanette's like, come on, come on, like change. She's, and then she just pulls out an intersection just to get away. And Kate's just like in a row. She's like, you are actual trash, Jeanette Turner. <laughs> So and that's how, how it is. I'm just, just laughing. Like, what if your name actually was Jeanette Turner, and and you know you can see the animated GIF coming up or whatever. Because there was a last year she's like Jeanette Turner. I hope you rot in hell. Anyways, then it cuts to '94. Jeanette's brother tells the dad that he heard that Jamie gave Jeanette her black eye because he he hit her when after Kate was found. So there he's like, okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. So they, they go over to Jamie's house and they. His mom answers, and he comes up. He's like, oh, I'll take care of this. And because, uh, you know, like the, the brother knocks very loudly, whatever. They confront him. And then the dad, find, you know, he's very calm and everything. He's like, you won't hit her. He's like, you don't look at her. You don't talk to her. And then, like, the mom comes up, and, and she's like, what's going on or whatever. And, and you know, then, then she's like, you know, you guys better leave or whatever. Because it seems like, you know, she's talking mostly in Spanish. So I don't know if her English isn't that, that great or whatever. But then... As, as they're walking away, he tells me, he's like, Jeanette's not who you think she is. And then, like, the brother wants to turn around and wants to go at him. But, you know, the dad takes him away. But then in 95, a cop brings Jamie home and, you know, to his mom. And she tells Jamie, she's like, we talked about loitering. And the cop's like, it's actually stalking. It's like, that's what Greg Turner's calling it. So, uh, because, you know, he's been sitting outside Jeanette's house. And, you know, we saw him. He had a gun in his glove compartment. So, that's not good. In 93... So see, this it just jumps like uh, back and forth. So you really need the focus. So ninety three, uh, Mallory uh, Harley Quinn Smith, Jeanette's friend, got a little bit of pot, and Jeanette and Vincent they're like concerned. So Vincent's uh, their other friend, because on their list of things to do over the summer, they're supposed to swipe contraband from their homes. So the pot was I, I think it was a Mallory's mom. Vincent swiped his grandmother's cooking sherry, and he's like, it's really bad or whatever. And Jeanette swiped her brother's girly magazine. So, But then uh, Jeanette's dad knocks on the door, so they, they kind of like hide everything. So Mallory's supposed to go home because like her mom called and said you know, she has to come over or something like that. So she leaves her pot there, and they just leave. Jeanette and Vincent are still freaking out because they're like, what are we going to do? She's like, you know, we can't have this or whatever. And she's like, well, maybe we could just give it away. And Vincent's like, I, th- I think that's like uh, you know, drug dealing or whatever. So uh, Jeanette decides that she's just going to break it up and like flush it down the toilet. 95, the news is talking about Jeanette suing Kate. Um, there's a like a lady who says that you know she's been covering the case for, for you know whatever the past year and you know she's like you know some people just blur the lines between right and wrong whatever she's like they're not evil whatever but you know they just see things like that and she's like you know Jeanette's one of those people so it's not looking good for for Jeanette 94 uh, that same police officer we saw before comes with a, detec- a detective to Jeanette's house so they'd like her to come down and answer some questions and you know the dad's like he's like well i'm coming too and they're like or oh, you're gonna come he's like yeah or you're gonna interview or you're gonna take question of my underage daughter without a lawyer he's like yeah i'm gonna be there or whatever so then 95 we see vincent is working at a video store he calls ben so ben's like the, the one friend it was friends with jamie and everything and uh 
he's like, you know, I'm being deposed tomorrow. He's like, I'm kind of freaking out about it. And Ben's like, we've been over this. He's like, you have to stop calling me. And, you know, they're like talking. And he's like, hey, Vince, he's like, I need you to understand. Every time you call me, it brings me pain. So please stop. So not really sure what's going on between Vince and Ben. And I also then, uh, um, say I was 95, also 95, Jeanette scraping graffiti off her cars. It says lying slam pig. So her dad's like slam pig. What's that? So Jeanette explains it. That's slang for slut or something like that. 93, Jeanette and Vincent are playing Jenga. Mallory's back. She's just, so her mom called because she couldn't find a remote or something like that. And so she's watching old movies. So she's probably going to, um, want her stash back so then Jeanette's like she tells her she flushed it and Mallory's like mad she's like ah, now nah, I'm, I'm gonna get grounded now and whatever is like thanks a lot and so she's just mad so she leaves 94 Jeanette's mom's upset threats police station she's like you can't hold her and all this like that they're like we just we just want to question her we're not holding her and they're like we're just going to question her with with her consent and, and Jeanette's like yeah that's fine 95 <laughs> I don't know if this is confusing. Jeanette's watching TV. There's like some <laughs> dorky like talk show host. He's making jokes about, you know, no one relating to Jeanette Turner or whatever, just like kind of ripping on her. And then uh, she turns, she's changing the channel. There's like some court case show or something like that. And she's, there's like some, you know, blonde girl talking, whatever. She's like, this must be what likable is. And she's practicing. She's like, you don't understand. And she's like kind of like shaking her head. Everything Kate Wallace says is a lie. So she's just like, like practicing, like how to try to be likable and get the jury to believe you. 94, they, the police ask Jeanette about being at the assistant principal's house. And the mom's like, she wasn't there. And then they're like, well, then how did her necklace get there? And Jeanette's like, it's like, yeah, I had one like it. And they're like, had? She's like, yeah, I threw it away. And the dad's like, yeah, yeah, she threw it away. And then Jeanette's like, you know, she's like, it was just from the mall. You know, my a friend gave it to me. We had a, a falling out. She's like, that's not mine. And a cop's like, well, why would Kate lie about something so serious? And Jeanette's like, well, you know, I don't want to be mean, but I think it might be because I'm dating her ex or, or I was, you know, couples fight. And then they're like, was the fight about Kate Wallace? And she's like, um, well, so here's the thing about this. Pause on, on the, the coverage. <laughs> so Kate has uh, the You Go Girl necklace that Jeanette wore that Mallory and Vince gave her. It was more, more Mallory. So is Kate lying about that? Did she happen to get another one and then she's just saying that? Or is Jeanette lying that it really was hers and she's saying that she threw it away? Because well, we'll see what, what, what the dad says later. But if she's lying about that, that's, I mean, she's like, it's kind of conniving that she would just come up with like, oh, I threw it away and this and that, you know. So anyways, and 95, she's still practicing saying that, you know, everything Kate Wallace says is a lie. She's like, I'm not the villain. I'm the victim. I'm the victim. And 94, the mom and dad are talking and she's like, we both know that necklace belongs to Jeanette. And she's concerned that, you know, her daughter lied to the police. And her dad's like, you know, you just need to stop. She's like, you're letting the rumors get to you. And then Jeanette comes in the room and the dad wants to talk to her. Tells her he went by Jamie's house. He made him understand that no one puts their hands on his daughters. And she keeps, she's like, no, oh, no, I told you it was, you know, it was a volleyball accident. He's like, you know, you don't, you don't have to lie. We don't lie in this house. You know, you can tell me. And she's like, okay. 94. Yeah, so here I was almost confused. So now it's 94. So Kate walks into the video store. So Vince has work, been working there for a while. Uh, 
And Vince is like, oh. And then Mallory comes in, and he just kind of nods her. So there's a little awkward silence. Kate comes up because you know it's like close to closing time. She's like, I'll be real quick. So she runs. He's like, Silence of the Lambs, Misery. Oh, Groundhog Day. And she's like, Yeah, that one's for my dad. And she she leaves right away. And then uh, Vince is like, I was like, Wow. I was like, You know, shouldn't she? get something a little more upbeat and Mallory's like well you know maybe it's just easier for her to deal with it or something like that and Vince is he's surprised that Mallory's not mocking her or anything like that and Mallory's like you know she went through something she's like I'm not heartless in 93 Jeanette talks to her mom about flushing the pot away and now Mallory hates her and all this stuff like that and mom says well, you know sometimes even best friends go their separate ways and then she mentions Kate like, you know, oh, maybe you should, you know, start hanging out with her. And she, she goes on about, like, when she was in high school and how, you know, how her popularity grew and stuff like that. And she's like, you know, even, like, Kate's dad had her eyes on me, you know, rest in peace. And so this is something that Kate's mom said before, that how Jeanette's mom, like, wants to be her. And it kind of seems like, you know, because they talked after that aerobics class. So it's like her mom probably wants Jeanette to start hanging out with Kate and that's why she's like, you know, well, when you can take off your glasses, you know, your braces are going to come off soon and stuff like that. So anyways, in 94, Vince gets in a car. He closes up the shop uh, the, or the video store. You know, he gets off work. Mallory goes her separate ways. You know, she goes home because he said he's got to help someone with something. So he gets in a car with Ben and Ben's like, oh, does your, your friend know? You know, does Mallory know? It's like, you know, where we're going, what we're doing. He's like, no way. So it's like, okay, what are they up to? 95, Jeanette's brother's home to do some laundry. She tells him about seeing Kate. And then, you know, they talk a little bit about it. Then she's like, you know, some girl from your physics class called. And he's like, okay, yeah. And he's like, and speaking of phone calls, you know, maybe take mom's call once in a while. Here's the other thing. We don't know what happened with the mom. Between 94, 95, the mom and dad are divorced. Actually, I you know, because I think in 94... Uh, the dad was already was dating the bartender. So we're not sure. Because I was like, did her mom die? Did something happen? But obviously she's around, but Jeanette doesn't want to talk to her for some reason. It's not really sure. So then then later, uh, Jeanette's going to go out, and dad's like, is that a good idea? She's like, yeah. And then he's like, oh, it's just like, you know, leaking that we're suing Kate to the press before we even serve her. And then she's like, well, whatever, you know. And then as she goes out, Vince sees her leaving the house because, you know, he's like taking the garbage out or something like that. In 94, it's a 4th of July picnic. Jeanette's there with her parents. She's Jamie. She like smiles, whatever. And then you can see like other people are like whispering like, oh, there's Jeanette. She knew about Kate, blah, blah, blah. 94, um, I think it's still 94. Vince tells Ben that he's known Jeanette her entire life. You know, she'd never do something like this. You know, they're talking about her. 93, it's night. Jeanette rides her bike to the assistant principal's house. And, you know, she knocks on the door. Then she uses the key, the realtor key, to go in. And she's calling him inside. She's like, Mr. Harris, are you here? Whatever. And she's got a flashlight. 94, Ben and Vince drive to some house. And they're like, you know, the place on the forum said that, you know, this was the place or whatever. Or, you know, website. And then uh, inside, you know, people are slow dancing. And Ben takes Vince's hand. So it's a supposed to be a safe place for, for gay couples. In 94, Jeanette walks right up to Jamie. You know, it's nighttime now. And, you know, he's like, you know, don't make this harder than it already is. And, you know, she's like, you know, I got questioned by the police. And he's like, yeah, I did too, but it was no sweat because I don't have anything to hide. And he's like, you know, Kate's back now. He's like, I won't abandon her. And she's like, well, can, can you at least talk to her? And he's like, it's like, no, you know I can't do that. And she's asked, well, what about our kiss last week? 
and he, you know, he's like, oh, you know, you can't tell anyone. You can't, you know, if Kate finds out, and then she's like, oh, haven't you heard? I'm real good at keeping secrets. And she's got like a tear in her eye. She starts to walk away, and he calls to her. He's like, you were the only one who told me Kate was missing. He's like, how it seemed like at the time you were the only person who knew before anybody else did. He's like, how was that? And she looks at him, and she's like, screw you. And she leaves. 93, Jeanette's still at the house. She's calling, Mr. Harris, are you here? And she's like, no, of course you're not because you're at looking at the fireworks with everyone else. She's looking on his bookshelf, and then she finds a high school yearbook from Widow Falls, 1992. She's like, oh, that's where you're from. And she like opens up, sees a picture of him, and she hears a bang. And then... Jeanette's there's someone's like breaking a, a window to open it but it really jumped to 95 so this is where I got confused I was like wait someone's breaking in the house but no so Jeanette um, breaks a, a window she opens a lock comes in there's fireworks are going off 93 uh, Jeanette runs out of the house with a yearbook so she heard some bang I guess it was, must have been a firework so she takes a yearbook leaves she goes to Mallory's and, you know, so Mallory's still ticked off at her. And she's like, list item number 13, steal something. So Mallory's impressed. She's like, you went back? And Jeanette says, she's like, I want to show you that I take the list seriously. And then, you know, she's like, can we not be in a fight anymore? And she's like, okay. So they, they hug. And she's like, you know, um, my mom's Janice isn't home. I think she calls her by her name. She's like, I got pizza rolls if you want to come in. 95 Jeanette goes down to the basement so she's when she broke into the house she sees uh like you know there's like wires on the window something like that and then someone's like hello and like Vince is there so he like followed her and he's like what are you doing and she's like you know the first time we were here playing hide and seek I came down here she's like I got this weird sensation that something bad happened or something you know bad was going to happen she's like you know maybe I unleashed something down here and if I did it, I it's my responsibility to undo it and then Vince tells her that you know he called Ben today, and you know he's hoping that time heals all wounds. So we're not, it's not clear what what happened with Vince. So then this this part I'm not really sure. I don't know if it's the next day because then so this has got to be so this is ninety five. Vince is talking to the lawyers, and they're like, you know, how long have you known Jeanette Turner? He's like, well, you know, pretty much since I was born, we were lived next door so my whole life. And they're like, well, what's the nature of your current relationship? He like hesitates. He's like, um, she mostly keeps herself these days. And then they ask, has he ever known her to lie? And he's like, not that I can recall. And then there's this other lawyer. He, um, he's like, so Jeanette's George Washington. He's like, when the first time or that, that time you were with her in Mr. Harris's house. And he's like, to your knowledge, has Jeanette ever gone back to the house? And then, um, he asks, if Mallory said something, he's like, did, did Mallory say something, whatever? And they're like, we asked the questions here. So then it cuts back to them at the house. And he asks her, how many times has she been in the house? And she's like, a lot. So she's like, I, I kind of, you know, got addicted to the rush of it. So then with the lawyer, he lies. He's like, you know, to my knowledge, she hasn't gone back. So he's clearly lying, I guess, to protect her. I don't know. Then in 93... Jeanette's in a room. You see her jewelry box where she keeps her necklace and the key. And then there's a joint in there. So she's standing in front of her mirror and she's just like holding it. Like pre she has like, I look, I'm pretty sure she had lipstick on and she's acting like she's smoking it, looking at herself in the mirror and everything like that. And in 95 back at the house, Jeanette says, if it's, she's like, is there something else you want to ask me? And then that's where it ends. So it's still not clear. What did she know? You know, did she, did she go back there and see that, Kate was there and just didn't say anything. And when did she decide to try to take Kate's life? 
you know, when did she try to go after her boyfriend and be friends with her her friends and all that? And is what what is Kate lying about? We we don't know. So that's what I really like about this because you know we kind of assume Kate's the victim that she's completely innocent. Maybe she is. Maybe she you know she's a bit of. And that the fact that Mr. Harris was shot and killed a little convenient, you know. And, you know, maybe she knew him before and there's so much we don't know. And that's what, what I'm digging. So I think it's the season's 10 episodes. So that, that was three episodes down. So we got, you know, seven more to go. Okay, then Shadow and Bone. So this is a Netflix show. It's based off some like YA books or whatever. I've never heard of them before. You know, when, when the trailer came out, I was like, oh, I'll, I'll check this out. And it seems like when I first looked uh, last weekend at the ratings, it seems like it's has some good ratings, uh, at least like on IMDb and maybe Rotten Tomato. So it's, I think people like this, and some people are like, you know, maybe this is the next uh, Game of Thrones or whatever. So there's eight episodes. My plans were to cover the first four this week and the, next, the second for the following week. I don't think I'm going to do that. I just I can't do it. I tried watching it, and like on Saturday I started watching. It. I watched two episodes, and I, I just it just wasn't clicking for me. I like I couldn't really get into it. It's not bad or anything, but I just I had a hard time caring about the characters or just getting into the whole world. And I don't know if maybe partially it, I I don't know if this is anything to do with it. But it's like you know I don't know any of the actors in, in in this, which again that's not a big deal. But I just I just don't have a connection to him, and I don't really care so much about what the plight is and what's going on. So I watched two episodes Saturday night, and I was just like, man, I I don't know if I can watch anymore, you know, because I could probably I could probably watch another episode or two before I should probably get some sleep. But then I was just like, wait, what? Willie's Wonderland? I'm gonna watch that instead. And then that's when I I watched that. So. Uh, then I, uh, during the week, I was like, okay, I need to watch two more episodes so I can talk about them, so I can record, you know, this this part of the podcast. I started watching the third episode, and I'm just like, I don't know, man. Then as it was like, like maybe like 17 minutes, I was like, I think I might just stop. It's like I just don't feel like watching it. And I was like, you know, maybe I should watch Legends of Tomorrow to get caught up on that, which I didn't. So I've I'm just watched. I went through the rest of the third episode. And then I, I didn't watch the fourth. So I don't know. I mean, and I, I so this is just for me. If if you're watching and you dig it, that's great. I just don't know what it is. And and I don't want, I'm not saying I'm going to completely give up and abandon the show. I may go back and try to watch it, but I just don't know what it is. I just, I couldn't really get into it. And I don't know. I mean, it's, it's not like it's a horrible show, but... It's just, I don't know. So here's what's, what's going on. So I'll give you my my take out a summary, and I may be leaving some facts out if I just missed it because I wasn't paying full attention or whatever. So episode one, a searing burst of light. So we have some girl, Alina, talking about being afraid of the dark. Then she learns it's a place full of monsters, whatever. She lives in some place called East Rothka, which... I guess it doesn't matter. People don't like her, didn't like her mother or whatever. And um, she was told that the fold ate her parents. And she wants to find a way around a fold where no one cared where she was from. Okay, what is the fold? So looking up on uh, fandom, uh, the shadow fold was a section of nearly impenetrable darkness that grew every year and contained Volcra 
among other unnamed horrors, the shadow fold cut directly across Vi, a wide road that once stretched across the land, Os Alta, and to the port cities on Rathka's western coast. So basically, it's splitting this uh, this place in, in half. So it's just like a big bunch of shadows, and there's a bunch of deadly uh, creatures in there. So that's that's what the folds. And apparently, Alina's parents died there. So it's just like giant thick cloud of black smoke or whatever. So um, her half-read childhood friends, you know, there's a lot of like people looking down at them or whatever. His name is Mal, and uh, we see him like now he's fighting people while, you know, like people bet on him or whatever. So he wins, and uh, then this dude with like some magic power wants to fight, and, you know, he can make like wind blow to sand up or something like that. So this is where we're like, wait, what's going on? We don't, you know, we don't have all the information yet. Then Alina and, and Mal meet up. They walk around camp that was set up. They see other people training and stuff like that. And you see some people can make fire. Other people can make like air or wind. So it's like they can control the elements or something like that. There's this other dude, Kaz, who's like the leader of, of like some gang. You know, he has, has a couple people he hangs out with and he's up to something. His uh, spark, I mean, I'm not really sure what his part of the story is you know he he's they keep coming back to him with like stuff that he's doing he's he wants to get across the fold but i'm not really seeing or caring uh like what what he's up to alina's uh you know she's looked down upon because she's she's half something you know she's not like a purebred or whatever race these people are and uh at one point you know they're, they're getting food for line and they told her they tell her to, to go to the end of the line or whatever so she's like mad she just leaves so mal ends up stealing some grapes for her and the, there's a person uh like you know you can get get in trouble for that whatever so they're told her they're gonna be separated and he's gonna be needed for a trip across the fold or something like that and you know then it cuts back like the Kaz. he he's he's trying to figure out how to get across the fold he talks to um uh, this lady and this guy and his crew, you know, they're talking about, you know, you can't dig under it. You need a sun summoner, but they don't exist or something like that yet. So Mal is about to go into the fold. Um, and uh, Alina's a, a cartographer. So she burns all the maps so she can volunteer to go with. And then her and two other cartographers are told that they're going to be going. Mal sees her on a boat. He's like, wants her to get off because it's too dangerous and everything like that. But then, uh, it's it's time to go or everything like that so they're on this like boat basically in the sand and like a, a wind summoner blows the sails to push the boat across so as they go into the darkness like uh it's, it's really dark one soldier dude lights a lantern which was a big mistake because then these creatures start swooping in and like grabbing them mal gets grabbed and you know he's like he's trying to stab at the foot of this creature or whatever alina grabs a rifle and like tries shooting at it and it falls back uh Mal falls in but then Alina gets grabbed and as she's going up she gets real bright in big bursts of light so the ship made it through and people think that it's like oh they must have had some invention that's off a bright light or something like that but there's this one guy who jumped off the ship and was like running he, he saw the light go off and he's like telling some people he's like you know he's like you won't believe me whatever and then he tells um, uh, Kaz and some other people that it was a sun summoner and he tells him, you know, Alina's name or whatever. So Kaz, uh, he was going to shoot the guy or something like that. But then he says that he wants Alina by sunrise or so, whatever, something like that. So they, they need to to get Alina. And this this guy, this guy, he wants to work for this guy. He wants to do some job. And I'm not even sure what the job was or whatever. Second episode, we're all someone's monster. 
So apparently when they were kids, so um, Alina and Mal were in an orphanage and they would do these tests to see if you're uh, Grish or Grisha or something like that, if you have some abilities. So Mal was injured, so they're not going to do the test on him. So he's going to have to wait till like the next time. So Alina takes his hand and they run out in the field to hide. So she doesn't want to get tested to see if she's a, a Grisha if he's can't, because then they could be separated or whatever. In the present, Mal's taken away on a stretcher after getting grabbed. A lady calls a healer for Alina, whatever. Her her collarbone is fractured, whatever. Another lady soldier says, tells a, the leader to take her to the general's tent. Um, Kaz is arguing with his, his lady, whatever. Uh, uh, not his lady, but one of his uh, underlings or partners. Her name's Inez or something like that. And you know she says that she can't go across the fold because of a tattoo on her wrist that means something. And again, I'm looking at it, it's like, what does that mean? So she's in in the servitude or indentured to someone or something like that. So Alina's brought to the general, General Kerrigan, and of course he's like he's this younger dude, and he's he's probably like a good looking guy or whatever. So he asks her, he's like, what are you? And she's like, I'm a map maker. And then he asked those who were there, he's like, what actually happened? So they're like, you know, there's a big light. And someone's like, it was her. So he's like, is it true? Can you summon the light? Then then he asked her where she grew up. When was she tested? And she doesn't answer. And he's like, you don't remember? And, you know, he wants to make certain. So he has a ring with his blade or whatever. And he's going to, like, do the test or something like that. Mal gets up even though he's injured. He's like, you know, where's Alina? He wants to try to find her. So the general tells her to roll up her sleeves. He, like, scrapes her arm. And then like a big bright light shoots up like through the sky. Mal sees it from the outside because it's like it burned through the top of the tent or whatever. So Alina's like shocked. And then, uh, you know, when the general like lets go, whatever, the light stops. So then, then it cuts to Kaz. He's working on his deals or whatever. I don't care. I don't know what's going on with him. Alina is to go to the palace. So the general tells her she's taken in a stagecoach. And uh, Mal tries, like, running after, but, you know, he's injured. He, he can't, you know, keep up with it. Inez is called to a lady, and um, she offers to free of her obligations if she kills a person that night. So then she goes to the other guy and her crew, Jasper, and asks him to, to kill a man for her or whatever. So when Alina's in this carriage, it gets attacked, and Alina gets dragged away. And this guy is about to kill her, but then this cloak dude comes. He's like, you know, wearing this black robe. There's like all this like smoke like following him. So he like shoots out something and it goes out and slices the guy like in half. Like, whoosh. And so then we find out it's a general. So he has some ability. He has these shadow powers or something like that. So he, he tells her that she's going to ride with him. After a bit, they stop. And then she asks him, she's like, what happened? She's like, you know, how did you slice that guy from like a dozen paces away? And he's like, you know, he doesn't really answer. He's like, you know, you're safe with me. And she asks, she's like, is that why, you know, why they're scared of you? And he's like, they're probably more scared of you. So he's like, you might be the first of, of your kind. And, you know, she has the power to enter the fold and destroy it from within. And she's like, I don't want this power. She's like, isn't there a way to transfer it? Then he asks her again. He's like, you know, were you tested as a child? And then she tells him that, that she hid. Then Alina is taken to the palace, and, and then she's, like, locked in a suite, so she has to stay in there. Mal wants to sneak away from the camp to go after her, but, you know, a couple other guys, like, you know, if you do, you're going to be marked as a deserter, but, you know, he wants to try to get to her and make sure she's safe and everything like that. Then the third episode, uh, the making at the heart of the world. So Alina wakes up from this dream. There's, like, this giant stag. I don't know what the deal is with this stag because it's, like, in the, the, the trailer, too, or teaser trailer. 
this woman comes in with like a bunch of others and she's like have you ever bathed because she's all dirty and everything like that so then she finds out that she's gonna be meeting the king in an hour some of the attendants are rude because she's part shoe because she's so she's like a half breed or whatever so the one lady makes everyone leave so we, we find out she's a healer you know she can you know take care of some of the wounds on on, on alina so then, uh, oh, Kaz was supposed to meet some Grisha woman, but she gets kidnapped or something like that. And so, uh, I don't know. Then uh, the general, so uh, Lena's going to meet the king. There's a bunch of people there. You know, she's not really dressed up. She's wearing kind of like a simple because she's supposed to be part, like, part in the army like that because you know, she's m- making maps for the, for them. So uh, the general's there. And, you know, he says that, you know, she's going to change the world starting now. So he uses his power to make the, the entire room like dark. And he tells her, now call the sun. And then uh, he, she does it, and everyone's like, ooh, all this stuff like that. So he tells the king she'll be under his care while he trains her. And people start, like, hugging her and everything like that. And one says, like, oh, it's an honor to meet you. But then, like, when she hugs her, she whispers. She's like, you smell like a horse's stable. So she really, you know, someone that, that hates that she's a half-breed or whatever. Um, then Kaz gets a goat for so I, I, I totally miss like why did he need a goat what is he doing and they're, they're gonna go across the, the fold in like this big locomotive vehicle and then as they do they, they, they run out of coal because the one guy was supposed to get like 16 pounds of coal but he didn't or whatever and they start they get attacked halfway through and stuff like that but I think they make it through they, they and the one guy starts shooting at him or whatever so then there's some training for Alina, like this one, the dude in charge, he's like, do you know how to fight? And we see a flashback where, you know, she's like kind of practicing fighting and Mal's giving her uh, training, like pointers, like, you know, not to have her thumb under her fingers or she's going to break her thumb or whatever, stuff like that. So the dude tells her in a, in a present to pick an opponent to like fight against. So she picks that one rude one, but it turns out she's been trained by this, this main dude and everything like that. So Lena um, tries fighting or stuff like that, but her, the moves that she knows doesn't really work. And the other girl like flips over her shoulder, does all this stuff like that. She says something and she just like kind of turns her back, like to walk away from Alina. Like, you know, she's not worthy of her. So then uh, Lena just like sucker punches or whatever. And then, oh, this girl's name is Zoya. So she uses her, she has like wind power. She uses a blast like Alina flying back, but you know, she lands on some, she gets like knocked out a little bit, but then a dude's like angry at her. She's like, she's a sun summoner or whatever. And then, uh, it just kind of goes from there. I mean, I don't really know what else. Uh, I just, I can't, can't, I don't know. So I really wanted to, to, to watch this. I really want to like it, but it's just something's not clicking with me. And, and I don't know if it's maybe I'm just getting old and all the, so let's say that that's not, that can't be the case. I was going to say, you know, maybe I'm just old. All the characters are young, so I can't really, really, but I'm digging cruel summer and these are like teens in the nineties. Well, I was, you know, whatever in the nineties. And, but it's just, I don't know what it is for me. I just, I just don't have a taste for this fantasy show, even though it could be like cool, but I don't know. I mean, are you digging it, oh, man? I feel bad. If, if you are, I hope, hope I, I doubt you're like, oh, I can't wait to listen to podcasts to hear. Did I even mention I was going to talk about it last week? So I don't know. I, I, don't, I haven't even seen like in my, my, not that I'm on Twitter all that often, but I don't even see a lot of people talking about it. So I, I don't know. Is it just me? I mean, I don't think it is. Maybe it's just it has a hardcore following that's giving it the high ratings. And if they're they're loving it, that's great. That means they're doing a good job with the adaptation. But I just don't know. 
So I don't know when I'm going to go back and watch some more, but I feel like I need to because I started. Every time I turn on Netflix, it's going to be like, continue watching Shadow and Bone, and I'll be like, oh, man. So I don't know. I, I, But I really don't think I'm going to talk about it anymore on the podcast because if you're digging it, I don't want to talk about it and and not be enthusiastic about it because it's not, it's not fair to the show or the fans if you're a fan of it. So I don't know. We'll see, but probably not. All right, this week's movie feature, Willy's Wonderland. So this, I guess it came out in February. I don't know how I never heard of this. This is this is just just crazy. So it's Nicolas Cage, and it's basically Five Nights at Freddy's. It's 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 a complete ripoff. It, it's uh, basically a dude has to stay overnight. In a like a Chuck E. Cheese, evil Chuck E. Cheese place, and the animatronics come to life and are like trying to kill him, type of thing. And it's a, it's it's really something to see. It's not trying to, it's not even trying to be a good movie. I mean, it's it's like one of those movies. It's it's like it's purposely bad, but you gotta see it. It's so bad, it's good type of thing. I mean, it's Nicolas Cage. It's Nicholas. Oh, so, um, I'm so I'm gonna go. I'll, I'll, I'm gonna talk about a bit of it, but I'm I'm obviously I'm not gonna spoil the whole thing. So you can uh, you can rent it for like uh, $3.99, I believe, or you can buy it for $9.99. So ten bucks to buy a movie. That's not bad, and it's like an hour and a half, an hour and twenty eight minutes. So it's not like super long. And so I like that. You know, I, in the past, I've always been hesitant about movies that are less than 90 minutes i was like wow if it's less than 90 minutes that kind of says something but there is some charm to the movies that are you know like 80 something minutes because they really go in they they tell the story to get the job done and then they're they're out of there they're done so it's it's not like you try to stall you know they they could have tried to make it two minutes longer or whatever so it's 90 minutes or but may and maybe there's some other reasons if it's on i don't know i mean there i'm sure there there's got to be some other reasons too to otherwise i don't know so it starts off we see like this uh tv commercial of willie's wonderland and there's a you know like animatronic animal performers and stuff like that. But then we see this like guy and a lady like kind of I think one of if the lady had like some blood on, on her. They're wearing Willy Willy's Wonderland T-shirts and they're running down this this hallway. And as they're running, the dude he gets grabbed and like dragged back. And you know she's like, ah! and then the, the lights start going out. So the lady's left alone. And you hear the song, "It's your birthday," something like that. So it's party, like there's no tomorrow, whatever. Then there's like screams, and then there's like blood splatters on a TV set, or like that. Then we see a uh, Camaro driving, like really fast, like skidding, just driving down the road, stuff like that. Uh, t- tires blow out, and it's like more than one tire. So the guy gets out of the car. And there's like a tire tire spikes on the road and then the guy has a cans of punch in his trunk so he goes back there opens one up and it says punch it's like not it's like is this some sort of like hard punch or something like that so he chugs it and it's we see it's nicholas cage and he's wearing like dark sunglasses so tow truck comes the driver's like talking on and on and nick nicholas cage he just like like at one point he just like kind of lowers his sunglasses and I'm, I don't know why I'm doing it. Cause he can't see me. He just lowers it and kind of like looks at him and like stares at him and then, you know, puts him back up. He's silent the entire time. Doesn't say anything. 
and then uh, they're driving as they're driving to get to Hayesville, home of Willie's Wonderland. So then uh, we see someone's like pouring gas on the pavement outside of Willie's Wonderland, and you know she's about to light it, but then the cops show up and cuffs her. So they drive by the and the, the so this lady lady cop uh, she takes her to a trailer. And as they're there, it's weird because they so they, they drive by the tow truck, the, the the police officer, and Nicolas Cage just like stares at the girl or something like that. And it's like, wait a minute, it's like she's way too young for Nicolas Cage if he's like I don't know why he's staring at her, like what this is all about. So then uh, the cop brings the girl into because she's like a teen. I, I guess I didn't say that. She brings her inside the trailer and like handcuffs her to like this metal pipe. So I was like, is a cop her mom or whatever? But it doesn't. I mean, they don't, they don't look anything alike, which doesn't matter. But you know, there's just like some weird thing or whatever. So she handcuffs her and and just leaves. So at the garage, you know, the the tow truck is like looking under hood for some reason. And Nicolas Cage sees like a bunch of missing signs, like on a, on a bulletin board or whatever. And he tells him that it's going to be basically about like a thousand dollars for the repairs. It's going to be like 250 for the tow or something like, like the, I think it was 250 for the tow and then tires or whatever. So apparently he only accepts cash and he, Nicholas Cage looks at, there's an ATM machine, but there's a big sign that says it's out of order. And the tow truck driver is like, yeah, you know, we don't really get, the internet in Hayesville for some reason. He's like, they were going to get it, but they just didn't. So he's like, uh, you not have the cash? And he's like, ain't that a dilly of a pickle? He's like, well, you know, are you willing to work it off? And Nicholas Cage just like slowly like nods his head, yeah. So the driver calls someone. He's like, I got a guy for you. So, hmm. Oh, because a tow truck driver gave the cops like, like, oh, you left your you know, some tire spikes out or something like that. So it's like, why does Nicolas Cage have to pay for it if it's, you know, the police left the tire? But maybe there's something else wrong with the car that needed to be repaired. I don't know. So the tow truck driver takes uh, Nicolas Cage to Willie's Wonderland. He meets the owner dude, like Tex. I forget what his name was. And, you know, he says that if he you know, spends the night cleaning Willie's Wonderland, he'll pay to have his car fixed. So then uh, Nicolas Cage lowers his glasses and then he just like looks and he like stares at the willie's wonderland logo it's like very dramatic right inside the owner turns on one of the tv and so you see this like uh willie the weasel talks so he introduces the gang there's Artie the alligator siren sarah cammy the chameleon gus gorilla nighty knight who's just like a, a big knight with a you know big head um ozzy the ostrich and tito the turtle so he says, you know, you know the story, you know, little kids start crawling over to animatronics, get hurt, and the lawsuits come and shut the place down. So he shows uh, him a, like a closet full of cleaning supply and he gives him a t-shirt. He's like, you're officially on staff. And he's like, you know, you can eat whatever you can find in, in the kitchen. It's on the house. And he's like, just remember to take breaks, you know, pace yourself. Then uh, as he leaves, he locks him in there with like a chain and a lock, like on the door from the outside. So then at the the trailer, four I think it was four guys and a girl, four, four teens and, and a girl, they come to free Liz. And, uh, you know, she's like, they, she wants to burn Willie's Wonderland. So she's like, it's a, you know, where she's like, we're not here to have fun. She's like, we, it's a mission. We need to go do this. So um, Nicolas Cage, he's credited as, as just as the janitor. So he doesn't, we he doesn't even have a name. 
he starts cleaning and you know he's wearing a t-shirt and as he's cleaning in the main room is it's almost like you can see the animatronics slowly like moving behind him he like turns around because you know you, you can kind of sense the movement whatever but he doesn't see anything he goes in the kitchen. The kitchen is trash. There's like no food in there. I mean, it's, it's place is nasty. He brought his cans of punch, and he like puts them in the fridge. And at one point, you know, his watch beeps. So he goes in and he drinks a punch. And and then you know he's in there. He sees like a pinball machine under a tarp. So he's gonna you know play that later. He's mopping the floor. There's more movement behind his back. He keeps like sensing it, but doesn't see anything. And at one point, he stands in front of Ozzy, the os- ostrich, and he like kind of taps it hits it a couple times with the the mop handle and then it like shakes his head and it's like i'm gonna feast on your face and then it, it starts moving and it like pecks at him like kind of cuts his cheek he smiles and you know he because he takes the, the the mop he like pulls it off off the he pulls the mop off the stick and then he breaks the 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 stick in half and he's just like like fighting it and starts like beating it and everything like that and then finally he like tears out his like electric spine. <laughs> and then he's like he's like covered, it's not blood, it must be like machine oil or something like that. So then he goes into the supply closet, puts out a fresh t-shirt. So the lady cop uh calls for backup, or there's this like state trooper guy, you know, he's gonna get double overtime, whatever. So they're just like sitting in her office. And he's like, uh, so, you know, what are we going to do? So he's like a younger guy. She's like, we're just going to, he's like, see that, that phone there? He's like, we're just going to sit here and pray that that phone doesn't ring. So then uh, the janitor, Nicholas Cage, you know, he takes a little piece of duct tape, puts it on his, his cheek, drinks another can of punch, more cleaning and stuff like that. So it's kind of going from here. Um, at one point, he, you know, he in the bathroom, he hears music playing. So Willie and the others are playing, you know, the It's Your Birthday song. So he goes in the main room, you know, he flips off the, the, the power to them. And then uh, he goes back in the bathroom and written on one of the mirrors. And like, I don't know if it's supposed to be blood or something like that, but it says it's your birthday uh, on, on the mirror. And then a voice starts saying, let's play hide and seek. So then all the, I don't know how this happens. doesn't make sense. But all the, the stalls close. And then, you know, he's like, he's opening them one by one. You hear, I'm going to eat your face. So he, and of course, the last one, there's someone in there, something in there. It's Gus Gorilla. (laughs) So he uses a plunger on his face and he's like kind of pushing it out. And then uh, I don't want to, I shouldn't be spoiling too much, but then he he kind of does like a curb stomp on a urinal. And, and, you know, he just cleaned the place and there's like all this, like, again, animatronic oil all over the place. So he goes in the supply closet, gets another t shirt, and he puts like duct tape like around his ribs. So I think he kind of, kind of got injured or whatever like that. Then he just takes a, the Gus remains and puts it all in a trash bag. Then his his watch goes off. It beeps again. Time to drink another punch. And like when he drinks punch and he's like, he, he starts playing like the pinball game like while he's drinking and stuff like that. And so at this point, there's still like a, like an hour left of the movie. So Liv and, uh, Liv's uh, the, the girl that got handcuffed she wants to um they're they're gonna burn the building but she wants to get the guy out of the building before they burn it so there's a she's gonna climb in and they're like all hesitant and everything like that there's like one one guy is like just annoying or whatever so she goes in through the air duct it's like a huge air duct i mean this is like like industrial size air duct so she's in there she starts getting uh chased by Artie the alligator of course because you know that's what happens in uh five nights of freddy everything like that 
So it kind of goes from there where she's in there. The other kids end up going after her. They're in there. And then there's going to be, you know, fighting and death and stuff like that. You find out there is actual the story to Willy's Wonderland. Like, why are these things killing or alive or whatever? And it's a kind of a wacky reason, explanation. And it kind of goes from there. And, uh, yeah, so it is it is quite the movie. and I, But unfortunately, so what I will spoil, we don't get all the answers. Like my big question, and I, I maybe I shouldn't say this, but I want to know like what the heck is a deal with the punch? And I don't know if there's been any interviews or anything like that because I, like I said, I hadn't even heard of this movie. Uh, it was like Saturday. I don't even know how he, I, I found it. But I was watching, I started watching The Shadow and Bone, which I, I talked about. And I, I just watched a couple episodes. And then instead of watching more, I, I was like, I'm going to watch something else. I'm going to watch Willie's Wonderland. I think it was, it might have been like like 11 or 11.30. I'm like, well, I'm going to watch this movie. And uh, yeah, so, so it's nice. I don't know if there's been uh, other, you know, if any writer, director, anyone gave us answers, but like, what the heck, what's the deal with the punch? And the thing is like, what is the janitor's backstory? You know, Cause it's almost like he was excited about fighting these things. And so it's, it's just, it's a, it's the movie's pretty bonkers. And like I said, it is pretty bad, but you know, it's, it's worth checking out. And again, you can rent it for four bucks or even if you buy it for 10 bucks, that's like a movie ticket price. And then you could watch it with your friends over and over again. And, and I think maybe that's the point. It's like, you know, could this be like a cult movie or whatever cult classic, but it's just, it, you gotta watch it when, you know, if, if you, if you're hesitant about paying, which I, you know, I, I'm happy to pay to support this wackiness, but I'm sure It'll be like on Netflix or Hulu or, or some po- at, at some point soon. Uh, you should definitely check it out. It's I'm trying to get my uh, my daughter to watch it. She had heard of it before because uh, I when, and while I was watching it, you know, she was going to go to bed, and I was like, "You you should watch this movie." You know, Willie. She's like, "No, no way." She, so she had seen a trailer for it. She's like, "That looks so." Bad. And it, she didn't want to watch it because it's scary because it is. It's not scary really. She's like, it looks so bad. And she's like, no, I can't watch. I was like, no, you got to watch it because, you know, she's played Five Nights at Freddy and, you know, she hates, she's played it, you know, via, with the VR. And, uh, but she doesn't want to watch it. So I, I need to work. I was like, you got to watch this. It's, it's like, it's Nicolas Cage at his finest. And she's like, I feel bad for Nicolas Cage. And, <laughs> oh, man. It's, uh, yeah. So Willie's Wonderland, you can find it like on Amazon or Voodoo or, you know, wherever you rent your movies and it's it's truly something remarkable and i'm so glad again i I don't even remember how i found this now how the heck did i even hear about this but yeah i think it came out in february and it's like why did i not know about this so that's going to be uh the movie feature and, and that is also going to be the podcast for this week so big thanks to david mcphail and andrew loken because they are supporters of the show they are awesome uh but you can be a supporter too you can be awesome if you're ever like if you're ever like man i wish i could be awesome you can be awesome by supporting the show any amount you can commit to will be uh awesome uh 
It's a where where how I I, I messed up. I, it's go to patreon.com slash gman from heck. And if you uh, commit to the Rick Jones tier or higher, which is only five bucks a month, you get access to the secret podcast from heck. So on top of this, however long this this week's episode is, you get thirty minutes a week more. And I'm still talking about. <laughs> Vision into Scarlet Witch. So almost done. We're in the final stretch. Just a couple, a couple more weeks after this, so you can hear about how like that that comic went, and uh, there's some weak attempts at, at voicing those and, and and stuff. You can also hear about some movies. I have a, a couple things uh, in mind to prepare for a potential feature coming up later. So you can you can help out that way. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com/slash gman from heck. And you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or four. And that is ko-fi.com slash gmat from heck. All right. So what is going to be next week? This is part where I should always like figure this out before I get to this point, but I, I never know for a fact. Uh, I think, I don't know if there's anything coming out, but something may come up. Like I had no idea. Like last week I, I said uh, it was going to be Tom Clancy's Without Remorse. So I think that might be, I might just have that as a movie feature for next week, even though it'll be like a week later or whatever, but that's fine. And, you know, I'm sure you'll live with that. But I don't think there's a, I don't think there's anything else big coming out, uh, but maybe there's just something that I'm just, it's completely off my radar and, and that I just missed or whatever. But uh, there's going to be uh no more uh, Invincible after that. So I'll probably, I'll probably still talk about Bird Girl. I don't even know how many episodes of that there are. Talk about The Nevers, uh, Mayor of Easttown, um, probably Cruel Summer. So it might be a, a little shorter. But coming up soon, um, I'm trying to think. I, I, I don't have a calendar in front of me. But uh, Legends of Tomorrow is coming up. I'm behind on that. I don't know if I'll cover that. Um, I haven't finished a previous season. I, yeah, I, I should probably try to do that. And then uh, Star Wars The Bad Batch is, is coming out also on May 4th. So that that's coming up. But there's going to be a... I think there might be a, a couple a weeks of... I'm going to be scrambling to try to find a feature. Because Army of the Dead is on the 21st. And all the episodes, I'm sure, of MODOK are coming out on the 21st too. So... We'll have to see. I'm, there's not a whole lot, it seems like, on, on my calendar, my virtual and non-existence calendar. So hopefully more things are going to pop up so I'll have something to talk about. So until then, I hope everything is going well for you. Hope you're doing fine. I hope uh, you're having a great, grand old time. And I really hope that you remember, whenever you can, to be good to each other.